on this episode of Quantum Week, July 27th through August 2nd, 2014. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about uh, movies and music and headlines, our stories. We're in uh, the end of July, 2014. We're talking about Boyhood and Do I Want to Know by the uh, Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. Um, but, uh, live tickets are on, show, are on sale for the show on November 20th. Go to quantum-week.com. Hit the link. Buy your tickets. Come to see us at the show. Yes. Number one. Right. Number two, you want to, do we know what we're doing next week? Do yeah, we people it? should already know. They listen to the free show, but we are, okay, we're, going right. to, we're going to read the Red Sox on the World Series in 2004, and yep. uh, the uh, free show is Ray, and the Patreon show will be The Grudge. And then Matt and I were just talking. So then the week after that will be a normal week. We haven't, the week hasn't been selected yet. Uh, but then the week after that is our live show week, and we're actually going to end up taking that Saturday off. So you Patreon, Patreon people will get a third uh, episode of whatever that week that is uh, that's coming up in a couple weeks. On so, the Sunday after the live right. show. Right. So, um, yeah, you still get that Sunday episode, but then there will be no free episode on that Saturday. Yeah, but Saturday if you're coming to the show, show then right. you'll, you'll see it anyway. So, there you go. But then we're also going to be releasing that episode. Well, I didn't want to... Oh, 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 baby oh. steps! I, I like transparency, man. I'm, I'm, unlike you. I, I like to be oh, yeah, open I'm, about it. I'm, I'm certainly not transparent. I don't, I don't lie to I never, our listeners. I, yeah, I never say how I feel or tell anybody what, mm-hmm, how I'm right, thinking. No, right. not at all. It never happens. Um, but you're in a great mood tonight. You've got Tons of energy. Uh, shall we get started? Is there anything else we need to talk about before we go into boyhood? Tons of energy. What you're, a, what a you're loser. Just all oh, hopped up on Mountain Dew. Been, been, is what now? All hopped up on Mountain Dew. Oh, I don't drink Mountain Dew. It was a joke. The fuck are you talking? That's your joke? That's the comedy? If I, if From Talladega Nights, bitch. I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew. You don't know that? <sighs> come on. Don't you, you don't know these quotes I, from I, these I, movies? Did you ever see these movies? I have seen them, yes. Oh, pfft. I have seen Tal- too busy I, watching I, TV, never watching these fucking movies. I haven't seen Talladega Night since it came out. I saw the theaters. Yeah, a long time. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces on like on uh, cable. Yeah, like because you know you can sit and watch five minutes. But I've never yeah. actually sat down and watched the full version again since I was in the theater what, 2005 or six. Yeah, 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 a while ago. Um, I'm surprised we haven't run into more Will Ferrell. Have we run into any? Me too. No old school. No uh, no Talladega no, Nights. Like, no. no Will Ferrell. Right? Have we done zero? I think so. That That's is weird. Wild. That's weird. Because he had a run. You know, I mean, I know Anchorman didn't make. I don't know if Anchorman might have not done crazy money, but like the a few, like Elf, like some of these movies made big money. Oh, no shit. Yeah, Elf is, that's actually a perfect example of that. We should have run, yeah, we should have run into something, but we just haven't. Strange. Have we not done a lot of, when was he really big? It was 2004 through 2010, kind of, right? Yeah, maybe, or maybe a little earlier, right? Yeah, I know. Maybe that's, we haven't really hit that. I guess. I feel like the 21st century, we haven't hit a ton of anyway. I know. We are, uh, we are this week and we are next week. So maybe we'll kind of slowly catch up. Yeah, maybe. Um, you ready for a boyhood here? Yeah, yeah. let's do boyhood. Okay. Do you want to talk about first? Or do you want me to go? Why don't you go? Um, so I, it was a, actually, I feel like it affected me more after the movie was done or as the movie went on. And then after the movie was done, I had more to think about. So first 45 minutes of the movie, I'm like, what the fuck? This is a fucking slog. Really? Like I was, I really was really? not, I wasn't happy, but as it progressed and I'll tell you why part, there was a partial, partially it had to do with the casting. Um, but as it went on, I liked it more. I heard Kirk say on the show today that he didn't like the more adult kid when he grew up, Mason, when he grew up. Mm. But actually, I, I did like him. I thought he was quite good. It um, seemed reminiscent of how I felt when I was first entering college or a lot of friends. It seemed, seemed pretty real. But I, it really took me, they had to drag me into it. 
it had to it had to feel more like a documentary and not a movie. I had to get Patricia Arquette and Ethan Hawke as people out of my head. That that distracted me in the beginning. I'm like, they, it's not pulling in. It doesn't feel real because I know these two people. But then as I understood their roles, as they convinced me of their roles more and more, I got into it and I liked it more and more as the, as the, uh, as the movie went on. So it's tough for me to grade. And then afterwards, I really, it gave me a lot to think about. Um, it's hard to grade because of that. It's probably, I think, <laughs> the other thing is it's such a technological achievement. To do what he did is amazing. Yes. But then that's hard to tear apart too. Do I respect it more than I like it? I don't know. I'm not sure that I'll ever need to see it again. But... I think I got to grade it high for for degree of difficulty and how much it made me think afterwards. So I probably have to give it like an A minus. But I wasn't happy in the first in the beginning. It, I had to it it had to it had to draw me in. Wow. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. This is a this is either an A or A minus movie for me. It it uh, it was not uh in my top one hundred before uh, I sat down a couple nights ago. Is this it your is, second second time. It's my second time watching yeah, okay. it. Uh, I saw it in the theaters when it came out in New York in New York City at the yeah. IFC uh, theater, which is very cool, right in the village. Uh. Uh, and, um, I, so the second time I saw it, it was not in my top 100 before I sat down. Uh, it now is, uh, it replaced the game. The Michael Douglas movie is no yeah. longer my top 100. Wow. Um, and, uh, in fact, it's like, I think I have it like 97 or 90, 96 right now. So it, it, it's, it's in there. Uh, it's a, it's a brilliant masterwork. It was when I saw it the first time I actually enjoyed it more this time around. Cause I was able just to kind of relax and just enjoy the story as opposed to just be kind of wondered by the Marvel of yeah. it. I was able to like, all right, no, this is a story. Like I, I, I get what's going to happen. I, I'm not going to be like, cause when you see it the first time you're constantly like, Oh, what change are going to happen? You're kind of like on the edge of your seat to some extent just to see how they grow or what, what they look like. And, and even in the younger years, it's almost like, did he grow? Like it's, so, it's, some years, it's really subtle. And some of the older years like that too. Yeah. Um, it's funny how, how his growth and how, you know, everyone grows differently, but it is, it is interesting to see. And that's why I like having the sister there too. Cause you kind of see her grow as well. Yes. Um, so you kind of get the two different, you know, sometimes if it's confusing, if time has changed, having other kids or even the adults change their appearances and you're like, all right, I know what's happening now. Um, but when you kind of, when you're able to kind of put that away and just be able to enjoy the movie for the movie's sake, I found it actually to be better. I enjoyed it more. Um, I said, this is, this is an A movie. Honestly, I'll, I'll stick with the A, uh, thumbs up one of the, not in my top five of movies we covered here and, and maybe not in my top 10, probably not. Cause we just covered so many great ones, Cover but it's right there. Yeah. Um, brilliant film. Uh, I really loved it. And there's a lot of things I loved about it, but one thing I'm going to say right off the bat watching this, I, this is like your life. Yeah. I was, str- I was like, Oh, Corona might like love this. This might be hard for Corona to watch. Like it was. I was like, Cause I didn't really know your backstory the first time I saw it. I mean, we knew each other's acquaintances, uh, you know, before I, you know, b- before then, but you know, the crazy he, thing too is Patricia Arquette looks like my mom when she's older. It's really, oh, really? Fucked, it's fucked up. Yeah. Watching it was like, this is fucked up. But I was like, Oh my God, you have uh, you know, you have the, uh, stepfather that is, uh, you know, aggressive at times you have, um, they're moving around a lot early on. Yeah. Um, you have a sister, you have a sister. Um, it just seemed, I was like, Oh my, oh my God. I, hope, I wonder how he's going to alcoholism. Like my dad's an alcoholic, all, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. There was a lot of like, there was, and like, this kid's kind of like a quiet artsy, not that you're quiet, but like an artsier kid. I know you played soccer, but you know, no, but he's yeah, more sensitive. I feel, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I feel like he's like, yeah. Um, I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, there's like a lot of stuff going on. I'm like, I wonder how Carlos going to deal with watching this. That's why it made me think after, well, not just that also the life phases and yeah. what's futile and what's not futile. How, when does optimism die? If it does, like, how do you keep the, the fire for life going after you hit all these transitions? Is life just one transition after another? It's a lot of that. Yeah. And, and I definitely felt, as I said at the top in my first comments, like I, I felt kinship with him. Um, I mean, we're, we're 
different than him. But but I felt kinship with him. I understood. He, he you could tell he's trying to do the right thing. He has yes. a good heart. Like yes, I, he you know, identified yeah. with that. But uh, yeah, it was it yeah uh, the the abuse of the mom. I call oh, that stuff. That stuff rang true. But it, what it really took me to forget about Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette. And it's not like they didn't do a good job. She won the Oscar for it. Yeah, and she, he was nominated. He. I kind of think Ethan Hawke was better. Anyway, they were both good. I thought they they were both were good, but because they were known, it didn't like if they were unknowns, it would have been easier for me to just walk right into that world and, and understand it. But because they're known, that was the tough part. Um, yeah, but it's like any movie, though. I, I know, know I know. I, because it's a spe- this is a this is different than any other movie. It's though. true. I guess, you know what I mean? Right. Again, you don't know anybody else. You don't know the kids. Yeah. Uh, any of the other actors? Uh, I, you might recognize some faces, but not I, really. I didn't know. Uh, yeah. Like her mom has been in some stuff. Um, but yeah, not, not really. I mean, there were a lot of unknowns for sure. Actually the funny thing too. So he goes off to call, uh, he's, he's turned 18. He's right about to go to college. And, um, I don't know. It was a friend of the family, older woman asking him about his girlfriend yeah. and then hits on him. Yeah. Says, do you need a ride to yeah, school? Yeah, yeah. That fucking happened to me. Not like that. But I went, when, uh, my freshman year of college, I was taking EC 535s and, uh, it was a science class. And I, I missed a class, I missed a test. I had to go back and take it. And my, I might've told you the story, but the professor was like, oh, where, where do you sit in the class? Or which class are you in? Cause she has several. And I was like, this one, she's like, where do you sit in the class? And I was like, well, normally I, I have a class right before it takes me a little time to get here. So I kind of sit out back. It was a bigger class, like 500 people in this, uh, in this big room. And she said, because I, some good looking kid like you, I think I would have noticed that, wow, that you were there. Yeah, and I was like, right. whoa, no, but she was not, I mean, she's oh, an yeah. older woman. Oh, I was not yeah. into that, but still it was kind of like, it was when she did it to Mason, I was like, that's fucking creepy. Yeah, and then when weird, yeah. my 50 year old uh, professor in college did it to me, I, it was fucking creepy. Um, <sighs> yeah. yeah. So, so a few, a few things are, is a lot I have to say about this movie, a lot, a lot to think about, a lot to talk about for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to focus a little bit on the the parents because um, I find I find the way these characters are, are written or and the characters perform and everything is, is so is so interesting to me. So what I love about this movie is that it doesn't do cliches and it doesn't do it doesn't feel the need to constantly give us exposition until the end, the last year I have some issues with. But sure. other than that, it doesn't. It doesn't. You're just seeing glimpses of of his life. So you you might miss out on some major events. You might see some. You're like we see them leave the uh, drunk uh, stepfather, the the the, yeah. the the first drunk stepfather. Right. We see that we see the d- dramatic them leaving, and that's intense. Yes. Yes. But then other things, we we'll just see kind of like a day in the life, and things I'm sure happen that year, but we're just not privy to it. We just we're only able to witness little glimpses. Yes. And um, when you know, I think a lot of other directors, you know, Richard, Richard Linkler, of course, wrote directed. This is his passion project. Um, other people might have taken cliches like the single mom would have constantly been the hero and the kind of loser dad would have just stayed a loser and right. like, and then would have just kept fucking up. And then the mom is on a pedestal and it's not this, it has much more com- complexities about, about both characters in that the dad takes a long time to kind of find himself, but eventually it does ends up he a does. much happier person yes. than the mom, which sucks because the mom was the one that made all the sacrifices. It's true. Um, and yeah, she makes horrible, uh, mate choices. And it's, you know, it seems to struggle with some financial things too. Um, but she's the one that actually like kind of when the shit hit the fan, she was the one that stuck with those kids. Yeah. And, Mason and, senior got left off the hook. Like he, he got to go away yeah, and, and relive and, his boyhood. And he got to press reset on his yes, life, like he a did. video game. Right. He had a younger wife yeah. later on, had a younger kid, uh, you know, baby later. Yes, he did. And that's, that's not, she didn't get to do any of that. She didn't get fair. to be a kid. She went from, she says it in the show. Yes. She went from like, 
uh, a daughter to a wife, like right away. She was 23 when, when she had them. Right. So, or when she had the, the daughter, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but super young. So she didn't get to experience like a youth, uh, a young right, adulthood. A young adulthood yeah. And he did. And that's not fucking fair. No, it's not fair. And, um, but yet at the end, and I was struck with this when I saw it the first time, I'm still struck with it. It's something that actually sticks with me a lot. The single mom, after the kids go away, she's, the, the last words she says are her, are her clutching her, her head in her hands and saying, is this all there is? Yeah. And she's a broken woman. So well, it's, it's really poignant. And it's, I don't know if I've seen that too many times in film or TV or, or, or really any art, honestly, or even in literature, where you have someone that typically gets the hero, should, maybe should get the hero treatment or certainly someone that, that, did, that did nothing wrong, that was a good person the entire route of this did her best right yeah yes made mistakes but nothing yep. but yet always yep. had the, her kids at heart and yep. always did her best right yep. and, and bettered herself went got educated like did, yep. did kind of all the right things you she know did. she really did yeah but yet she's left um depressed miserable um and it, it it's 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 a i bet it's very real i wonder if a lot of single moms who like kind of just throw it all because when you're a single mom or a single dad, if you listen to this and you're your dad, like when you put everything on the table for the kids, so you basically, because you're the only one there, you have to put everything, you have to put everything on pause for your kids. And then when eventually they are going to leave, then you really are left with nothing. I mean, we talk about empty nest syndrome when it's two parents, but when it's one, it must be even more intense. <sighs> Fuck, I just remembered that my mom had her mental breakdown when I left for college. Yeah. That was it. I mean, she scratched and clawed. We lived in poverty for a while. She had help. We were fine. Like we didn't, you know, we had Chef Boyardee. It wasn't, we lived but in a small apartment, but it, times were tough. And she had help from her family or grandparents, similar to Patricia Arquette and this, you know, the mom and this character had help from her mom. Uh, we had help from my grandparents, but, and eventually my mom remarried and, and things were a little bit more settled. There was better uh, money flow in the house, of course, with a, with a stepdad around. But then, you know, eventually she scratched and clawed and it was all about her kids and she was not perfect uh, and we had our tough parts in our relationship, but as soon as I went to college, mental breakdown gone. That's when her like mental try because because it's almost like it was almost like now what exactly what is left now what now what do we do? You put all your chips on the table, you know, for the for the kids because you have to for eighteen years. For eighteen years. That's just a large chunk. It's a fucking and, long and, time. And for this woman, I don't know. I don't know how old My mom was twenty one when she had. Okay, me. so their entire adult life. Exactly. Their entire adult life. They yes. have one yeah. thing. They're focused on their kids, right? And the kids are gone. Then what? Then like I know like. Myself, like when I lost my job a couple of years ago, like I was like, oh shit. And like, it was, it was a big part of my identity. It wasn't my entire identity though. But even that was like, I was kind of hard to grapple with. Like, you know, the landway stuff happened and I was like, are you, I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just like, I was, I was struggling with some stuff. Just, it wasn't the landway stuff, but it was the job stuff. And, yeah, yeah. You know, but of course it was just like this, like, I don't, I didn't know what to do with my energy or my time. And that was, that's just work. Can you imagine your kids, which is everything to a mom, you're protective. Mom. You're worried. Your entire their entire life, you I are. You're trying have, to protect them, and then all of a sudden, gone. And you and your sister are pretty close in age, right? Yeah. So my sister was still at home, but I think that was just the snap of this this period of life is yeah. ending. And who am I? What is my identity when I'm no longer? I mean, I'm, she's still my mom, but like no longer the protector mom. I had to scratch and claw and fucking work and worry about putting food on the table and chasing after my dad for child support and didn't fucking help at all. Like all that stuff. She had to, she had to fight her entire way. And then that, when that's gone, you think it would be a sigh of relief, but it's not, you get PTSD from it. Like it's not a sigh of relief. You don't know where to put that energy. Now there's emptiness and it fucks with you. It really does fucked with her, fuck with her hard. Yeah. 
so a cheaper movie or a movie with less complexity would have, oh, the success. She gets to, maybe, you know, she would have put something in the typewriter and started to work yeah, on exactly. that novel. Yeah. And she finally, and maybe she takes a sigh and a smile as she thinks about the success. Because both of her kids are good kids. They are. You know, and, you're, you, and your sister yeah, does well. Like, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, you. So, Sounds good, yeah. Right, so in any, like, if you just look at it from just on paper, your mom and, and this mom and this movie are successes. But when you're just alone, it must be so sad. Well, and it's not even, but it's not her success. It's like her, it kind yeah, of is her success, right. but it's not really, it's, she didn't do it for, she didn't necessarily do it for herself. I mean, she does, but not really. It's complicated. And, I, and I, it's totally complicated. And when, uh, and when Patricia Arquette's character um, says she's, she might take, she's going to sell the house, maybe take some time off and write her novel. I was like, oh, that's, you know, I didn't feel good about that because I'm like, oh, she's just going to be in money. That's such a hard trajectory. She's just going to put herself in dire straits financially again. I didn't feel hopeful for her after that. Uh, I guess the first time I saw it, I foolishly did because I was so just in, I'm ingrained on what, on how these usually step-by-step things are, these, these shows or these movies. I'm like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Um, but that scene with her and, uh, uh, her and Mason and Jr. Mason. At, at the end is, is in my, I mean, I think it's why she wins the Oscar. I think it's why, and I think it's, it was just incredibly poignant and just, uh, kind of out of out of nowhere, just because we're trained to think a certain way. But you know what? It's not really out of nowhere. That's probably the re- that's probably real. And the juxtaposition is Mason's going into the optimistic part of his life. Right. He's got his freedom. He's going to college. He's going to meet new people. He's going to study the things he wants to study. And you see him in I don't know where he is. He's probably he's in Utah, so Arches or Bryce Canyon, one of those beautiful canyons. So beautiful out there. And it's so optimistic. He's on some sort of hallucinogenic. Yeah. And it's just him and like a nice girl and some nice new friends. And it's the optimistic, forward-looking part of his life. And we are left with Patricia Arquette in fucking dire straits because what's left for her. And I think, and I know I've seen this in my life with, uh, luckily not my family, but in close friends or, or other people around or other more distant family, people can, people can get jealous to their kids. And it's like, oh, like, you know, they would love that. They'd love that same fresh start their kid's getting. And that, that can create some uh, animosity, some... Sure complicated feelings there for the for the mom and the kids oblivious because i mean any any kid going to college is a selfish creature as, as they should be you know they're, they're, it's all about them yes and so they're just going to go and do their thing and yet the mom is left like you know oh i wish i wish i was them and that's got to be complicated and challenging i think so i and think so especially where it maybe didn't go the way she would have it's not ideal like where she had the kids so young and she never had that college experience. She went to college later, but it's not the same. Is it the same? No, I'm sure it was, a, it, was very, it was very hustle. Like it was a hard, it was hard. Absolutely very hard. The kids have to work, go to college. Yep. It's not a fun, it, yep. it's not like that experience. So, um, so be, you know, it, there's a lot of mixed up. And then I imagine if it was me, at least I would feel this way. Maybe this, this speaks to me being a, sm- a small person, but if I was the Patricia Arquette character and I kept, cause you know, when you get divorced and you have kids, you never really, they're always in your life, no matter what and you see it in this movie, they, they would constantly kind of yeah. keep, uh, yeah not connecting, but they were, they were in each other's life, the parents, whether they wanted to or not. I would be so angry at the Ethan Hawke character for being allowed to get what he wants. And I did everything right. And I'm stuck alone. It's even weird when he was like giving her money for the party too. It felt like so like too little too late. It was so weird. It was so weird. It was so, it was like oddly petty. Of course he didn't even, he didn't he even had, have he had, it. He had to go get it from his, from his wife, from his yeah. new wife, the new younger wife. Right. And it, that's a great scene. I think that's a great scene because it should be awkward. It should, if it was a lesser movie, it'd be like, we did it. Like a big hug. Know, maybe, you know, I know, I know. worked it out, but it's like, no, it's still weird and petty. And, uh, like she had this like icy, like she was gritting her teeth saying, thank you. But you know, 
at the back of her mind, she's still so angry she at is, him. And, she should and she'll be. be angry at him probably until the day she dies. Probably. Even though he's a good guy, he turned out to be a good, a pretty good dad. He's he your, turned out to be a good dad. Yes. And actually, uh, I, I don't know, in some cultures, it's interesting where um, there is like kind of a divide in roles in a child in a child's life at certain ages. It's almost like the dad can kind of take over at some point a little bit. So maybe it makes more sense that he is in in their lives in the kind of the back half of, of their childhood. I don't know. Maybe it worked out for the best that way. He got mature enough right when they needed him to be. I don't know. But I would be, yeah, I would be furious. I'd be furious that he got that, that he got to go to Alaska, experience weird things on a boat, fucking, you know, go and, and have sex with younger redheaded women at bowling alleys, <laughs> uh, live the bachelor life with yeah. his musician friend. Kind of do what he wants. Do what he wants. Just live his own life. And she... She didn't. She had to. She had to scratch and claw and protect. She had to protect. She had to fight. I mean, yes, she picked the drunk first husband. Um, yes, she picked him. But she, she probably saw he has a stable home, had kids, right. smart guy, smart professor, guy. some yeah, sort of I mean, respect there. You but. see, like mothers, they're nurturing. They want the best for their right. kids. I totally understand why that happened. But then she had to protect them, pull them out of the house. Like it was just. That her whole life was a fight, was a struggle. Yeah. Money was a struggle. Raising was a struggle. Physical struggles, moving around. And he didn't have to, he didn't have to do that. No. It's fucked up. It, it is. It, it's, it's, it's terribly unfair. Um, yeah, so I was really struck um, by those two. And I love how Hawk and Arquette played both of them perfectly. Hawk didn't, wasn't, didn't flinch from being kind of a shitty, especially at first, he you know, was kind of a shittier dad. Yeah, I was wondering where it was going to go when we first meet him, and he's you like a hate fun him. guy. Yes. But felt like that with my dad, too. He was that guy, too. He'd come and see us. I would, we would be with him every other weekend. He, we would go fucking shopping spree at Toys R Us. We'd fucking eat pizza and hang out and stay up all night and watch TV. And where was he for the rest of the days? He wasn't around. He was the fun parent for a that while. That would really piss me off if I was, a, if I was a, the mom. To be fair, too, my mom, for a long time, until I, as the listeners probably know, I know you know, I'm estranged from my father. I have been since I was 13 because I recognized and he was, he was an abusive guy. He was abusive to my mom. I wasn't going to allow it anymore. And I saw the way that he was treating my, my half-siblings. I was like, I'm not, I can't, he's not my role model. And I knew that early on. But my mom, for a long time, like, grinned and bared, like, didn't, he was, she wasn't saying nasty shit about him, even though she had every right to. He was abusive. And my dad would say nasty shit about my, mm. why is your mom trying to fuck you up? Like that shit would say yeah. that to me as I'm a kid. I'm like an eight year old kid. Why is your mother trying to fuck you up? Because you wouldn't let me, I was grounded. Cause I couldn't, you know, so yeah, that's, whatever. That's, that's, that's shitty. That's bullshit. Yeah. My mom would never do that until yeah. we were estranged. And then she's like, I can't fight for this guy anymore. I mean, he's like, he's just being a complete dick. So, um, she grinned and fucking bared it. But yeah, he was supposed to, he was, he was trying to be the, the fun dad. So fuck that. So I saw that in Ethan, in Ethan totally. Hawk's character. I'm like, uh, and I was really not happy about who he was, but and it, and it's and it puts the mom like the, it, it's such a hard thing. The kids are so excited to see him. They and are. if you're the mom, you're like, all right, well, I'm busting my ass, doing everything I can to keep a roof over our heads. And then he comes and gets to play with you for a couple hours, and and he and he wins. That's not fair. And but like you know, as this movie shows, life really isn't fair. It's, it's not, not about fair. It's about well, Linklater's point is about moments, right? And and uh, you know, we don't seize moments. Moments seize us. It's one of the last things said in the film. Um, and, um, I, I do appreciate a movie that has kind of the courage to not to sh shy away from storytelling as we typically, 
I'm not talking about the gimmick of or whatever it is from showing the year to year. I'm just talking about the storytelling as a whole. Yep, this yep, film yep, yep. is that it, it doesn't it doesn't need to have cliches or doesn't need to have kind of typical storytelling. It's like no, we're gonna show reality more or less uh, of of what it's like to grow up in this particular this one child's life. Uh, but uh, as I'm sure as a child divorce, you, you're talking about right now, there's a lot of things that rang true for you. Yeah. Uh, I know there were things I, uh, that rang true, even as some of my friends that were divorced. Like, I'm like, oh, I kind of saw some, I can only imagine the living. That's what I was watching. I was like, oh shit, what's Corona must, must be thinking right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, that commitment to the reality of the characters and the honesty of those characters was more important than traditional storytelling. I really appreciated that. Yeah, me too. Um, and it really makes this movie really stand out for me. And, and that's why I actually enjoyed it more the second time I saw it was because the first time I was kind of caught up in the gimmick of it. I, I know gimmick, I mean, it's, it's, gimmick sounds shitty, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, I'm glad he did it this way. I'm not at all. I'm, I think this is a great way to tell a story. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's still, it's, it's still a bit of a gimmick. Um, uh, but I was really just struck by how the characters evolve or devolve. Um, uh, and I then I was struck by just seeing him seeing people age, which I think I was more focused on seeing people age. Oh, the first time? The first time I saw it. I, I get a, that. I was like, oh, I was, just, I was just like very like, oh, wow, look at them, they get older. Or, look at, or what's going to happen next? Like, I was like, the what's going to happen next was so in my head. Well, this time I was able to sit back and just actually just kind of live in the moment more. Right. Uh, of each year. And I found I actually enjoyed it. Uh, I, I really like this movie, but it came out, I gave it a B plus. I really, I really liked it a lot. But I think I love this movie now. And yeah. I didn't quite feel that before. Definitely drew me in as it went. And like I said, had I got a lot more a lot more reflection after afterwards. It's I just yeah, the, the the movie did nothing wrong. It was just it was hard for me to it was hard for me to engage. And I really think in the beginning, and I really think that had to do with I also didn't think I was also afraid of how it was gonna turn out, I think. That was partially the problem. But uh it drew me in. I'm afraid how? I just think I was afraid of how the characters were gonna I think I was afraid of what that was just going to be. I didn't, I knew, I knew very little about the movie. I hadn't seen it. I just didn't want to see this kid get abused for two and a half hours or yeah. something crazy like that. Right. And it, that trajectory could have, that, that could have been there. It could have been, you know, an ugly, an ugly, ugly film. And it wasn't at all. There was hope. Um, there was, and you know, and abuse, and there was positives and negatives. It was way more well-rounded. It was, mo- it, it was well-rounded and that that's good. It, it depends how you want to look at it because this movie is quite cynical in some ways. So, it is. Um, uh, you know, er, I, what I, well, another thing I love about this movie, I feel uh, it feels so real because usually when we watch movies with child actors, they always, the kids always have the last word. They always have some mm. quick jab or, or they're quite funny. They have a lot to say, those little, those little rascals. You right. Know? Um, where most times, actually, when kids are on adults, they're pretty quiet. Yeah. Uh, and um, we saw quiet times with Mason. He was sitting uh, the side of the house, just like looking at a dead bird for for a minute. Or but just, even when he's around adults, uh, like think of the scene even with the photography teacher. And that's his yeah, teacher. It's true. And it's when he's older, so he's a bit more confident. The teacher is saying so many more words than Mason oh, is. Tons. And even like when Mason's like with his dad or with with any adult figure, like just kids typically are quieter. Yeah, it's just how it works. Um, and I I do find the cynicism in the movie in that so many adults try to push and mold and pull mason to be something either they are or they weren't or um they they're but they all have good intentions except for the 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 stepfathers maybe everyone has good intentions with mason and i think the stepfathers actually start out with good intentions they do both of them do they do um and uh, but yet even like i know it's played for the last but like the fast food manager like he has good intentions but like he does but he also is like He's kind of very limited in scope. And he's domineering too, yeah, he and, and it's like you know. So 
But I, I think adults feel like they need to do that. They need to shape and mold. So they need to right. tell kids what to do. But so this movie is basically saying like, kind of like, don't do that. Like, don't, or be weary of how you're doing that. And in fact, some of the best advice he gets is near the end of the movie with Ethan Hawke. That's probably, right. probably the yeah. last, the last year at the concert after his graduation. Yep. And that's very much just like, hey man, like we don't know what the fuck we're doing. Like, you know, we're all just trying to get by the best we can. Just do the best you can. Um, which is, is great advice. And, um, but I imagine being a parent, it's, you can't say that every day. Cause you have to, you know, your kid has, you have to get your kid to do some shit. So, you know, that it's, you know, when the kid's 18 going up to college and you're kind of like the uncle or the, the dad, I, I, I use dad loosely here. Cause I don't think, I don't know. It's not, not, not what I would expect from a father, Ethan Hawke character here. He's a good, good man, but I bet he's a much more of a father to that second family than he is to his first. Yes. Yeah. That's more true. of an uncle, honestly, yes. in, in my opinion. But, uh, uh, but, but he's also a lot more grounded than any other male that we see in this film. The other, you know, if you pointed him between the, he's the, much more comfortable it. being himself. He is. Well, he had to, but we, but we saw that journey. We did. We earned that. Yep. Um, and he earned it, um, which is great to see, which is cool about this movie. It, right. it, it has the time and it has this movie. You were talking about it with guardians of the galaxy. Guardians of the galaxy had no respect for us. Right. It thought we were idiots. It treats us like idiots. It talks to us like we're idiots. Maybe it's made for kids, whatever you want to say. This movie has enormous respect for the audience. And it's like, listen, we're going to, we're not going to do traditional storytelling. I don't mean the gimmick. I mean like how the characters evolve or devolve. And also like, we're going to just let you kind of see it. We're not even going to put year. It doesn't have the year. No, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not it telling us. It one or the other. Yeah, there's just a transition. Like, and here's here. It's out there. Yeah. You can interpret it. Right. And for a show like ours, where we're, you know, dissecting film, this is like, that's, you know, catnip for Matt and I, because now we have so much to talk about because it gives us so much to talk about. It respects us so much. And there, and, and there's so many interesting things. Every, like we honestly, I would have much rather, if you said, uh, one of my choices, talk about guarding the galaxy or simply talk about the fast food manager in Boyhood. <laughs> you would choose I would that. much rather, because yes. there's so many more levels <laughs> and layers. True. And that's like the stupidest character in this movie. <laughs> and that, it, to me, is so much more interesting um, than any element of Guardians of the Galaxy for me. Yes. You uh, could tell, I mean, he had Mason's back. That was so good that he had Mason's back. I mean, even he, for him to come to the party, like he was such an influential part of his life. It was maybe it was, his first, it was probably his first job. Um, but yet, Mason, but you know what I, I mean? mean? I almost feel like Mason was more like influential to him. Like Mason was more important to him than he was to Mason. I know, but still, it was. But you obviously cared. Like he wanted to help. Whereas, yes. Whereas the other two, like the two stepdads, were selfish fucking assholes, or at least became that became way. Became that way. Where the fast food guy, he's just he's kind of a simpler well, I think the man. The first guy was always a selfish asshole. Yeah, he was. That guy was always he was. A, a, an ass. Yeah, that was weird. That he like coming on to. Uh, I wonder if they had even a. Conversation before. Oh, yeah, they, they, must totally, they must have. They must, they must have. Yeah. I think they've, they've, they've gone out. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I see. The second guy, I think, just became disillusioned with. I'm guessing he came back from uh, from serving over, overseas and seemed to just like have an idea of what it was supposed to be in his mind. And, it, and he, when he be, works for the corrections, is that's he's, he's some sort of sheriff for correction, right? For for a reason. It's yeah. Basically, I think that was not what maybe he had it. It hope. was interesting because he talks about Iraq and when he was there, it was so important for them to make connections yes. with the people, uh, with, with the Iraqi people and to build trust. And that he thought that the people that came after really fucked that up and, and, and that, that, uh, that, that trust was, was burned and, and went away. And so all, all the work that he put into it um, kind of was for nothing. But then, this, but then the, the opposite happened as him as the father figure for, for Mason. He was the guy who came in after, and it was important for him to build trust and build a relationship with the kid, and he, and he didn't. No. He didn't build trust at all. He just was a... I mean, you know, obviously, yeah. It was clear that sheriff or correction officer, the second guy, it was clear that, that he had problem. Yeah, he, he, he became a drinker too, but it became clear that, that he lost optimism in life. He was more right. optimistic when he was a younger guy, yes. and he couldn't get past that. And that's sad. 
It's, but it, he could have like, oh, I've got, I can have a relationship with this kid who's growing up and I can be of like a, a, I can help him. I can be formative for him. Instead of doing that, he just, he just fucking they lost trust. Just like the guys that came after him in Iraq. Yeah, um, I, and I, I love that we see him when he's optimistic. And I love that we see the professor uh, when he's in probably his best mode is yeah. teaching. He's probably a very good professor. I love that when we meet these characters, and this once again goes back to Lenko to having respect for us, that they are in, we see why Patricia Arquette's attracted to these guys. It makes sense. And it's like, all right. like, And that also makes us respect Patricia Arquette's character more because if you only see them as villains, which a cheaper movie would do, then that lessens Patricia Arquette's character because then she's just, she's an idiot. She's just stupid. Idiot. Right. But here he's like, oh no, I, I get it. Like he's a successful professor. He's, he's a good professor. Uh, he's, he's he, older. He's got a nice house. Yeah, like, you know, he's more settled. And, but like, oh, I'm really, he's a bright guy. Like, he is I'm, bright I'm guy. drawn, I'm, she's drawn to that. Okay. Yeah. And the other guy, like he's a, a younger, good looking guy, but he's like charismatic and he has the, you know, he's kind of seen some shit and it's like, oh, you're kind of, and you're kind of drawn to him too. Yep. Um, and it's like, oh, like you, and it, like I said, when, when it goes bad, too, it also feels so much worse. You're like, oh, no, because at one point you were wishing the best for those people, and yeah. they, they failed you, too, as an audience uh, member. Uh, and, and so a, a couple of things about kind of the making of the movie, too. So er, Linkletter, we talked about a tiny bit on KMS today, but Linkletter kind of got, didn't kind of, got lucky with everything. So uh, And had a lot of this sketched out right from Jump Street. Um, so, like, for instance, the drunk stepfather, the yeah. one. Yep. Um, he went into that after. He says, listen, um, I want you to be in, C- in years three through five of this. He knew exactly how it was going to play out. Um, I didn't know that watching it. I assumed like, oh, maybe this guy didn't want to do it anymore. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. But no, it was like every, he knew. And when that gardener, um, which I'm going to talk about a bit in a yeah, second. Exactly, yeah, exactly. The, the sewage pipe guy. Yep. Uh, we see him at the end. He, tell, he told him, he's like, no, I'm, I'm going ha- to call you back in four years. I, I need you to reprise this role. So he knew exactly how it was going to play out. Now, some things... Very few things were improvised. That's the thing people don't understand about this movie. Things were not improvised. Improvised means that, you know, you're completely going off script. You're just kind of completely winging it. Um, this was a situation where they had a script and they stuck to it, but they would make, they would make every year, Linkletter would kind of toy with the script. So he would basically, every year, he would go back, watch the old footage of last year, and be like, all right. And then he would uh, kind of get notes together. And then he would meet with the four leads and kind of figure out where they were in their lives. And then he would make changes that script kind of from stories mm. they told or kind of also what they look like now, yeah, oh, or kind yeah, of who sure. they are now. Right. And then they would go ahead and they would work with that. So they were very integrated. Now he did this. I have not seen these movies. I really should. I really want to, I, I need to see them because I don't think we're going to cover them, but the, the before series, uh, before sunrise, before oh, yeah. sunset. I saw the first one. I haven't seen any of those. There's three of them with Julia Delpy and Ethan Hawke. Yep. Uh, Ethan Hawke and Julia Delpy uh, were so involved with the script writing and that they got nominated for an Oscar for the last one. That's for, right. For, the script. So yep. Linkletter uh, gave them um, a screenwriting credit, which is uh, that that was much more impro- improv, impro- improvisational, and it was also much more, I think, much more collaborative than this was. But this still seems Such very a small. Co- I mean, because just the two of them in that movie, right? But this is really a four. It is and, true, but, you yeah. know. But this seemed very collaborative as well. Yeah. Uh, Linkletter told Hawk when they were shooting this. He said about, I think, year three or four, he's like, if I die, you need to finish this. Oh, shit. Well, he doesn't know. No, he's that, like, that makes yeah, sense, like, yeah. You're, you're, this is your... Well, he's, a, he's such a bright guy, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and, and, and he had trusted because he'd done yeah. the before series with Ethan Hawke. And, right. Or Ethan Hawke, one of our brightest actors. Um, uh, and so Ethan Hawke was kind of the vice president there for this. Um, you could, uh, none of the actors were signed to contracts. Uh, you cannot legally sign any actor uh, to uh, o- over a seven-year deal. Oh, interesting. Uh, D. Havilland law. Olivia D. Havilland was an actress in the 30s and 40s. She was signed to a long-term contract. I think it was Warner Brothers. And uh, she got out of it. 
um, because she kept renewing. And she's like, I don't want to work. I want to do other projects. Other studios have better scripts. This right. is this, this right. not good scripts for me. Uh, she got out of it. Uh, they tried to black, Jack Warner tried to blackball her. And then she ended up uh, doing a movie that won an Oscar uh, a year later with a different studio. And she just recently passed away. She could be, I think her and her sister, who sadly didn't speak at the end, but one of the sisters was in Gone with the Wind. Oh. Uh, Olivia was not. And they both died in, over the age of 100. Wow. And, but they didn't talk the last like three oh, years of their life. They had a fight at their mom's funeral. Yeah. Very sad. Um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, Linklater got lucky, though. All these actors came back. Uh, Linklater is famous for having very uh, tremendous shoots. He's also an incredibly collaborative guy to work with. He gets along famously with actors and actors. People just really enjoy being in his presence. He just seems to be like a, gr- a genuinely great guy. I mean, you look at a picture of him, he looks like he's a nice guy. Just a goofy, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, happy yeah. Texan. Uh, and, um, yeah, like, just, just couldn't, I guess, be easier to work with. Because you think about what he's asking these people to do. Um, you know, at one point, Pritchard Arquette's doing that show Medium. That's right. I uh, forgot about that. But it really challenged the shoot. Yeah. So what they do, they actually had to go and shoot weekends. On those, on the years she did Medium, they shot all those things on the weekends. Yeah. So they had, you know, obviously his daughter played the the older yep. sister, so that was easy enough to to work with. But you know, uh, and uh, Eller Coltrane. Um, well, Eller, I, I said he on on KMS. I, I should have. I guess he or saying right now. I'm sorry. Wants to go by they. Okay. Um, so um, it says gender is fluid. Uh, so when I'm talking about the character, I have no problem saying he because he's. Uh, they is playing a he, but I'm trying to that. That's the they is I'm, I'm struggling with. Uh, just just trying to get my head wrapped around. Yeah, plural stuff. Uh, but uh, that's how Eller wants me know now. Uh, seems to be uh, not doing a ton of acting. I don't think he's particularly they is particularly great in this role. Um, but um, I, I, I don't think Coltrane think, does a good job. I don't think Coltrane is weak either. Um, I also think it's who that character becomes is kind of uh, less, a little choir. Yeah, some kids are more emotional and some kids aren't. And Mason Jr. isn't. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then uh, the the sister character, I enjoyed. I'm really happy they had her in there, too, because it was a fun dynamic. And um, I also love how they uh, integrated pop culture. Um, whether And it was all, think about it, it's all happening in real time. So they're guessing right, whether it be singing a Britney Spears lyric, yeah, yeah. Harry Potter, yep. Obama signs, right. uh, the, I, the iMac. Yeah. All that stuff felt... You know, Matt and I, we're old enough where we lived, you know, we were adults during this entire stretch. So I'm guessing most of you listening are as well. So it is kind of a fun little throwback to go back and watch those 12 years. He wanted, oh, Linklater wanted to call the movie 12 years. Interesting. Couldn't. Why boyhood? Oh, 12 years. Because, because, because a, during the shooting, a movie came out 12 years 12 of slave. slave. Of course. Yeah. So he had to change it to boy, which was not the intended title, but he, but, um, and that. I don't know if the title fits. I agree. Uh, I also think it also created. <laughs> Even when this movie came out, uh, it created kind of a stir among the woke mob. Um, people got uh, annoyed. So this movie was on many best top lists. Top yeah, lists. of course. And it, it still is, and, yeah. it, it, and deservedly so. This is a great year for movies, by the way. Uh, yeah, sneaky good year. Some I haven't seen. Whiplash is very good. Whiplash is awesome. I don't like Birdman. Um, I know. Uh, I'm fine with it being uh, nominated. I liked it when I saw it, but I haven't seen it since probably 2014 or 2015. But Whiplash is a great film. Whiplash. There are a lot of uh, Nightcrawler. Night, too, yes, and quite good. That wasn't even nominated for best no. picture. It was not. No. I think that maybe there's maybe there's a writing credit. I can't. It's not, I think it's you're nominated right. For I think you're right. Uh, there's a few I haven't seen from this year too. Sneaky good year. There's Gone Girl here too. Oh, Gone Girl, right, and which didn't get a best picture nomination. Uh, no, I don't, I don't think. 
I don't know if anything was nominated about Gone Girl, but that's that's an awesome one. American Sniper was on here. Ex Machina, which is a sci-fi film. I still haven't like. seen American Sniper, which is crazy. Made a really show good. out of money. I've been saving yeah. it for this show now. Really good one. Because I'm guessing we're going to run into it. But I would love to Fox see Catcher, which I haven't seen. I haven't but seen I've it heard, either. I've heard I don't great things that. about it. I didn't make much money. No, but I got to see that. I almost said it too. Tons of stuff. There was uh, Edge of Tomorrow was here. Imitation Game was yeah, here. Edge of Tomorrow is a very good film. So, I mean, it used to be my top 100. It yeah, took no. it off the last couple years. But so sneaky good. Right. So the woke mob, though, didn't, didn't share our um, opinion on Boyhood. Uh, no. They felt that, why does it have to be a, uh, a, a white and straight male is the... Um, that's, the that was the, that's the character. Well, why, yeah, but why, man? Why I mean, couldn't it? It doesn't have to Also, be. The, for the, some people, they felt they didn't have enough diversity in the film. Okay. I mean, if it was a... Uh, <sighs> I just think it's like, oh, is this what we're doing now? We're counting act. I, I Some just, people are doing that now, but uh, I, I don't care about such things. Whoever, it doesn't matter. Like, right. I, I didn't so, care if this that, was a black that, family. I wouldn't care if it was a... No, it wouldn't matter. Think, right. And if it was a black family, I, I don't really care if they don't interact with a ton of... No, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't, whether it's good or bad, it's, you know, maybe some, you know, some... We don't, also don't know all the... T- they're in Texas. Should have had more Hispanics. I do agree with one element of the woke mob um, that came after this was... I don't love the the gardener character. I know. I feel like I know why they did it. They needed to. Her kids were not going to give her a thank you. Right. You know what she I mean. She needed to have some success. She needed a, a thank success you. story. Right? Yes. But it felt. It, it also felt like the Great White Hope situation. Like, oh, this white lady saved this guy. It did. It's, it's like eh, it, it felt weird and forced and ham handed and if message hammer a little bit, but like it ended up like having like the backwards message hammer. It felt like a, it felt too cute, which is a movie that has, this whole reason I love this movie so much. It's not a cute it's movie. It's not cute at all, no. And I felt like, hey, remember this guy? It did feel like a trick. Like, like, cause, cause it, it didn't feel real. Like there's no way she would run no into this way. guy so, five years later and the thank you and all that stuff. Oh, I was hoping to run into you because I'd like to buy you lunch. You know, that would not have happened. It was just, it was just, that was, that was too much. Shoehorned. said this one thing. It was just like, but eh. you, but I did like that she had a win. Cause I, and cause I thought, I thought about it afterwards and it was fine. I'm like, there had to be, there's probably a better way to do it. That's the sad thing. But the kids never would have said Hey, mom, we know all this. But that's like, the reality. For, though. That's I know the, it is. And, that, I know. and I think that would actually, that would have made that last thing, I think, even more poignant is if we don't have that scene beforehand. I know, but then it would have been totally like a well, huge. You know that's fucking life, man. It's true. Life punches in the gut sometimes. It's true. But you is, also get lucky sometimes, too, though. You also get lucky. You do I get, get people get lucky, do come. I don't, I don't no, but you know, but but sometimes that does happen. Your mom's you, a smart lady. Like, it's just like, ah, right. Yeah, I know. Like, I agree. Right. I agree. I, I know. I'm defending it a little bit. I feel like I can defend this. If I were defending Guardians of the Galaxy this much, then you might have a problem where I can kind of cut this one a little bit more slack. Really bad scene. That that last year was a lot of the, like, hey, let's get the band back together. Like, we, you know, obviously the graduation party, that's organic. I get it. Um, but then uh, it, it did feel a lot of just, uh, no, I don't know. Because Grad- the graduation party was good because we got to see the woman hit on. On him, we got to see Ethan Hawke give some good advice. And then we see the, single, rel- the other single mom that took them in. Oh, she, is that what happened? Yeah, oh, okay, this that, is my daughter, yeah, yeah. and I was, oh, I was right. like, "Oh, the son's not here." I'm guessing the probably son couldn't make the oh, shoot for some reason. I see, I see, I see. So I see. Like, yeah, that was a little weird. Oh, all right, and then then they go and do the concert, which is fine, I guess. But of course, it's the dad's old roommate who we met well, earlier too. I have no problem with all that. Right. I don't. I, we don't need to. I, I, I guess know. you're right. Well, yeah. they needed to put. I guess they could have just been walking down the street. Right, and they could have been anywhere. You're totally been fine. Yes, yeah. they could have. Yeah, they don't. We don't need to to have it. You know, we didn't get resolution though. Was the kids that grew up in the abusive home, which I think is so powerful i agree it's like because you even hear will we will we ever see them again i don't know honey but you're my responsibility i need to protect you and she's right and it sucks it is 
uh, absolutely soul crushing. Yeah. When you see that shot, the last, don't look back. Yeah. Uh, but the shot before when the door, you know, the door's open, you see the dad just enraged and the kids are leaving. You're like, you're terrified watching. You keep waiting for the dad to like cold cock. I know. You know, Mason Jr. Or so, do something horrible. You're like, or throw or chase after him. You just don't know what's going to happen. And, um, but you see the, the sad, the, the young actors who play the, uh, the, the stepfather's kids are, are quite good. They did very good. And um, I love how the kids react too, because in, in a lesser movie, the kids like, would, like I said, snap back at the dad or, or someone gets into a fist fight. It's like, no, kids, no. kids are just scared shitless. Yes. And you just kind of just sit there and you almost like go into like a defense mode. And you're like, I'm just going to pretend this isn't happening. Right. And I'm just going to put my head down and just hope this passes. It's shocking. Yeah. Um, and it's all played so real and it's really moving and really disturbing yes. because it's played so real. Yep. You don't need the kid to be there. It's more, it's more disturbing when it's not dramatic, when it feels real. And, you know, he comes, you know, dad comes in, he's got the bottle and he's drinking, drinking like, Pours the glass of booze in front of Charquette's character. Oh, yeah. Like, see, and, like, I can do this. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. I'm going to drink if yeah. I want to. But it's insane. Mark in her territory. It's simply just his action. Yeah, and the actor it. is so good. The, yeah. uh, the dad there. Oh, he's, uh, he's great. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I've never I seen him before. A book. I want to read this book. Uh, I mean, he, he was terrifying. And when he throws the glass, the glass, and it shatters in front Both of Mason. Jesus oh, Christ. Uh, I want to get this. Uh, so the actor who plays that drunk dad, it, I read a couple interviews of him. Um, and he is, uh, he's a really funny guy. He gives a pretty good interview. And I guess he wrote a book about kind of being just kind of like a, he wrote it back in 2001 when he had no, and he just kind of being like a, a struggling actor. Yeah. And it became a bestseller, um, which is pretty cool. I want to pick this book up, but let me get his name here. Um, any other points you have in the movie while I find this guy? Because well, he's older here too. I mean, he's got to be, maybe when we start, he's got to be at least, his hair's white. He's got to be at least late 40s, maybe even early 50s when we start. The actor's name is Marco Perella. Yeah. He's 72 now. So you figure he shot those scenes probably, what, 15 years ago now? So you're right. He's in his late 50s, early 60s when he yeah. shoots those scenes. Um, but he's been married to the same woman since 1984. He's got two kids. His book was Adventures of a No-Name Actor. Um, and I, said it became, I guess it became a, a minor bestseller. And he's done some stuff, but he, uh, he, you know, small stuff here and there. I mean, this is that's obviously the role he's, he's most known for. Um, and, and he's just fantastic. He's really good. Yeah. Um, Surprised he didn't get anything. I guess he's so, you know, he's an older guy now. Yeah. He, was, he would have been 52 here, right? 20 years ago. Or sorry, no, it wasn't 20 years 2002 ago. when they started filming, right? Yeah, but he wasn't, he didn't join them. He think he's. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. Right. That's so. right. That makes sense. Um, yeah. All right, so 55, yeah. 56, yeah. So he's kind of on the back half of acting career at that point. Right, and he, and like, I also do like that he's older because you figured the Patricia Arquette character probably would try to find, she's basically looking for the opposite to That's Hawk, right. right? Yeah, stable. And she finds the exact older guy, stable, educated the exact opposite of what the Ethan Hawke character was at that time. Back to that scene where he's drinking too. Yeah. Because at the beginning, uh, you see him and he's driving in the car and he goes to the the alcohol, uh, the, liquor the, store. The, the liquor store, and he says, you know, he's hiding it. He's even hiding it from his kids yeah. in case we All have denials. people coming over this weekend. Yeah. It's such a fucking lie. But now the, the mask has come off. We see him hide the bottle behind yes. the laundry detergent. No hiding anymore. No, he's not hiding anymore. Like, no. the, you know, the liquor, like the booze wind, right? Like, like and his demon the comes out. And Everything yeah. comes out right there. That's a, that's a terrifying, it's a crazy scene. Re really powerful. And, and um, I think it would have been easy for Linkler to keep going back to that well of the heavy drama. But instead, the movie just kind of shows us just little snapshots of of Mason Jr. Maybe, you know, he's whatever, well, I don't want to say vandalizing, but they're kind of throwing saws at that yes. drywall with older kids. Yes. And then other scenes, he's just kind of in school or he's, it's, but it's just like, those are like snapshots of like what it's like 
to I've grow had, up. I've, I'm like, oh, I can relate to a lot of this. Like, this is what it's like to grow up as a as a as a guy. I have had embarrassing moments in college dorm rooms too, where someone like, yeah, though oh, he's right. in his bed yes, with his girlfriend. Yes. You know, and he's still in high school actually, but he's to stay right. in his sister's dorm room, and someone walks in. I mean, that shit happens. And Matt, Matt knows what that's all. Look at man, huh? Don Juan Carano. Wow. Hey, man. You know, Look at this, huh? A reputation what a story. No, 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 no. No, I know, I know. No, exactly. but just embarrassing well, moments t- like In college, that. you're right. You're sharing all that space. It is, no, I think that's happened to everybody. Uh, you know, you're sharing all that. If you live in a dorm room, you share all that space, and you, you know, people walk in and walk out. Usually when I wake up, I know where I am, though, unlike uh, my, my partner on the on the show here. But uh, uh, yeah. like- sometimes I wake up confused. <laughs> oh, I used to, yeah. Not anymore, really. <laughs> no, no. I don't drink as... Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I still not. I'll be knocking it back after the live show. That that scares me a little bit, honestly. I wanna, oh, yeah, I scares say, you? Uh-huh. What scares you? What scares you? I just get... I don't know. I, I actually, get why so, I cause a little mischief, right? You do, you do cause it. No, I, uh, because I had an alcoholic dad, and yeah. alcoholism has been in my life. When I see people fucked up, it, it's, uh, you've it's never, little, you've never seen me fucked up. You never actually see me fucked up. Well, see that that's the Not thing. It's close. like my 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 interpretation of what fucked up is is a lot, uh, you know, a lot more sober than your interpretation of what oh, fucked yeah. up is. Yeah, like when I like you saw me at like thirty five percent. Um, that's what scares me. That's what I'm telling you. I'd like, like to go there. Oh. So Friday night, I think it's more likely I would get fucked up than Saturday. Right, as long as you're clear and awake for the show on Saturday, we're well, good. Well, I'll rest. I'm just going to rest Saturday morning and maybe nurse a hangover. I don't, I don't know. See, see how fucked up Friday night gets. Yeah, yeah. Right, Friday right. night, I get my clock. Because I'll have all night to drink in theory, where Saturday won't be like a start until after the show. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got to be a good boy, you know? Um, I guess that's all I have. Great movie. Uh, I think de- it highly, yeah, you got to see it. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you should oh, see yeah. it. Oh, uh, yeah. N- nominated for six Oscars, picture, director, supporting actor, supporting actress, original screenplay, screenplay and editing. And, and it won, only won one, the Arquette. Arquette, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, it was a stack, kind of a stacked movie year. I was, I'm fine with it. I'm glad Ethan Hawke got uh, nom- nominated four times, not just acting. He's never but, won. Uh, never won, which is too bad. He's very good. I know. He's he, a good actor. He's one of our, he's one of our most underrated talents uh, we have in, in American film. Um he he's never had that role, that blockbuster. And part of it is him. He's chosen to do smaller things, even like, the, so the grudge, I mean, the grudge, I'm sorry, the purge. Never he, seen that. Became either. a franchise and uh, he's only the first one. Um, but like, you know, like I, I think he's kind of had this, uh, he didn't expect it to be a, like he, he didn't take that role expecting it to be a franchise. Like he's kind of, he's kind of gone the other way of success a lot of times. Um, He's in another movie in 2014 called Predestination, which is a cool sci-fi-ish uh, movie that I really like. All right. 2014. Yeah. I but it, it was, uh, you know, it's an indie film kind of, uh, a very interesting indie film, and he does quite well in that as well. He's great. He, he's really, he's re- really a really good actor. I hope he one day, and he's such a great actor. He's one of those guys that's going to be able, even though he's a very handsome guy, he's going to be able to be in film. Like, he's going to be able to act until... He's, he's been in, in his seventies and eighties. He's acted our entire lives, and he's only fifty. Like he's got a lot, he's got a lot of gas left oh, in that yeah. tank. He can do he can do stuff. Right. I mean, think he about win we, some we saw him well, Dead Poet Society and yes. uh, uh, White Fang and stuff. You know, when we were you know kids. So right, exactly. And and right, he's still he's still making interesting creative choices. He's incredibly bright. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I guess probably most known, I guess now for Reality Bites, which was which was a mild hit when think? it came out. Oh, maybe not. Maybe this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, or maybe just being known now is just a, like a, a great a character. Training actor. Day. Training Day. That might be his, his yeah. most famous. He was nominated right. for that but as well. But Reality Bites, though, it really hit. It depends how old you are. It depends what exactly. you're doing. If you're Gen yeah. X, it's definitely Reality Bites. If yeah. you're a millennial, it's probably, probably Training Day. Yeah. Um, but he's just, a, he's just a fantastic actor. And um, I really hope he gets that 
that Oscar one day because he should. Cause he's he, he's really he's good, really and um, I don't know. He just he, he seems like he's one of those guys like oh I would love to go have a beer with that guy. Absolutely. He seems like a genuine like interesting cool guy. Yeah, and Patricia Arquette too. Uh, I know she can. You know her Oscar speech is bizarre, and sometimes she's a little, you know, little, you know, a little odd with some of the things she does or says. And I think she grew up in kind of a very artistic household and stuff. But seems it the commitment though to, to do this every twelve years, and this goes for uh, Eller Coltrane, this goes for Lorelai Linkletter as well. Just to come back and do this, that takes diligence. It takes it. It takes a devotion. I wonder what the shooting schedule was for every year. Do you a think couple they took, days? Like, is that it? When, wow. it was all said, when it was all said and done, there were only, I think, 48 days they shot. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's actually really impressive. Yeah. A couple days? A couple days each year. Two, that's th- two, three days. Crazy. Yeah. That's very impressive. Yeah. Because yeah. some, some of the years had multiple locations. So that takes a... Um, but they had the same costume designer the entire time, which is pretty cool. They had the same production designer, too. So the, the production designer had to go find those shots. Because, you know, everything here is shot on location, obviously, in Texas. And the costumes, you got to, you know... Kind of know who these characters are to some extent, and and understand what they might wear. But the good thing is, you can do a lot of planning. You know, each year you before you have you have a long time to you think kinda, about. You do, and you don't because like this isn't your jump. Like you know, you're doing this for scale, and you're doing it two days a year. Like you know, this isn't your priority. It's just kind of just a uh, hopefully. Well, I think Linklater allowed this to be a fun thing to do once a year. Yeah, as opposed to being a chore. I'm guessing for these people because they keep coming. Oh, it must back. have been fun. Yeah, I would think um, to just to go in and and do a shoot for a couple and days. The cast did obviously. This was not like massive. A bunch of awards also was done. I think it won a few Baftas. Not a bunch of Golden Globes. So the cool thing was the cast was able to do all the awards thing together. Yeah, I think they were spending more time doing that, and they were actually filming the movie. If Probably. you like, you know, in so many ways. But it must have been so cool for uh, Arquette and Hawk to be with these kids and see them now as a, like when they, it must've been a really weird experience for those actors. All of them, the kids do. Um, Made 25 million domestic, I think 50 something worldwide. Only cost five to make. Okay, that works. Um, Do you- uh, It never made the top 10. I think we're covering this this week because of that. It it got as high uh, as 11th this week. I see, I see, I see. So I snuck it in there because I really want to talk about it. Yeah, I'm glad you did. I'm glad I got to see it. I don't know that I would have seen it otherwise. It's not something that necessarily would have appealed to me. Really? I don't know. I Yeah, I felt like I was worried. I was worried that there was going to see like abuse and all. I mean, there was, but it, uh, yeah, I was worried. But no, it's good. Highly recommend. People should see it. Anything else? No, that's it. All right. Crawling back to you. I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest Arctic uh, Monkeys fan. In fact, I I want I usually want to like them more than I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've listened to probably snippets of uh, this is their fifth album because uh, they've been they've been around a while. Um, very young band. They were 16 when they got together. I think their first record. They were probably or maybe 20 or 20, 21. Yeah. No, they're 20. They were kids. Yeah, they, they were, were kids. And uh, it was their first album was pretty highly rated. I know it sold really fast. It kind of launched them very quickly. Um, their Let's see. I didn't, but I didn't like it. There, there what was the song? Uh, uh, the dance floor. I like you in the dance floor, or whatever. Right. That's the, that was their first hit. Which is a song I like. I see. I didn't. I don't really it's like the only it. Song I, I, I like. Yeah, that that I didn't really like. I just think it. It sounds like a very young, inexperienced band. But this, but this album is pretty good. There are the songs that sound like this song 
I think are good, which are more of like blues, riff, whatever. They're ballad songs or they're slower songs that are oh. indie or a little bit more psychedelic. I don't like. Um, but I do like this song. I think this is a, it's, it's, it's an interesting song and, and, uh, it, it loops around and gets stuck in my head. You don't like it though. I can see your fucking it's eyes. Just, I'm just, I, I'm just tired of hearing Like I, I just, I just don't, well, I don't love the boozy sound. I've listened to the song or whatever, 10 times prep to the show, but yeah. like, by the sixth time I'm like, I'm good. Like, I don't want to hear this anymore. And Matt was like humming it when he got in. I'm like, please stop. I know it's, it's it really stuck annoying. in my head. It's really annoying. Well, it's such an interesting riff for, but go ahead. Uh, and it, I, it, actually, I'm surprised you like that. It's kind of when you come in and trash them because it, it sounds a little bit, the more I hear it, the more I'm like, this is a little like Black Keys-ish. Oh, yes. But that, okay. Kings of Leon, uh, Le Leon or Black Keys is kind of the comp, but they're way better than each one of those uh. bands. Okay. So here's, um, I think this is the, is it Arbella? No, like, no. These guys aren't bad. It's, it's just like, it's just, uh. here's an earlier song. Doom, bam, do, do, do. Hear that riff? Bam, 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 bam. That is not a professional riff. That's off their first album. It's a song called. Uh, that's, that's not good. Fake Tales of, of San Francisco. Bump, 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 bump. That's not a good riff. Like right. that's a right up and down the scale. Yeah. Nothing interesting at all. But the riff in this song, um, in, uh, in, in Do I Want to Know, it's a weird hitch. It's a weird phrase. And so it like, I, when I, it, it makes you feel off balance. The phrase ends after, it feels like it ends after the third measure. It, it, and it, do, 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 down. It hits like that G, which is the root of the fucking scale. And you're like, okay, phrase is done. But it, but it ends, if it's done there, it ends early and feels weird. But it doesn't end there. He has this, uh, he, he, they do this banner now, now, now. They do another one. It's sort, it sort of like waits for a measure and goes banner now, now, now. And that's the end. And so it puts you off balance and makes you think it, or at least for me, I think, People who don't like know the theory or uh, of it or don't study music of it would just they would just like kind of intuitively think it's weird or it's a little herky jerky or it doesn't sound quite complete. Um, but I hear it and it's and, and and that's the way I feel about it. And when I hear it and I understand why, it's because of that little hitch. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it makes it sound spooky to me. It makes it sound off kilter to me. It makes it sound dark bit. to me. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it has, it has no. Those things are all true, I yeah. guess. I, it I, is a simple, so it's not, it's a simple blues riff, but because of that weird phrasing, it's, it's just a little bit, it's a different angle. It's nothing. It'll change up. Okay. Right. So other than, other than that, it'll change up though. That does not, the song does not feel unique to me at all. It just feels so, especially, especially at this time, I said the black keys or, or I mentioned, you mentioned Kings of Leon, like a lot of these, it's like, like white guys doing blues, like, yeah. and, and rock, like a blues rock thing. Yeah. Like I don't know if like everyone just like got stuck on rattle and hum or something like I think so. and like try to like emulate that, which is a much better album than this. Um, I just it's just I'm just bored with the sound now and, and, and like I'm like I think we talked about Black Keys. I think I was I think I was higher on them than you were. I I hate them. And yeah, I and I, I'm starting them. to come around in your camp. I'm just like I'm just tired of them. Me like, too. Kind of boring. I don't hate them, I guess, but I'm just like eh. If I never hear Black Keys again, I'm good. If I never hear Arctic Monkeys again, that dance for a song is pretty fun. But other than that, if I never hear them again, like I'm good. I like their, I like, he's got a weird, uh, I love his delivery, his vocal delivery. It kind of sounds a little bit like Ian Anderson to me, the way that Ian Anderson uh, from Jethro Tull sort of delivers. Not the Braves like, pitcher? Aqualung, my friend, that guy. Yeah. I uh, know, is there an Ian Anderson? Is uh, it tonight? No. Uh, you think he's, Braves going to win or what? I kind of want, I kind of hope the Braves win. Oh, I'm rooting for the Braves, not for any political reasons. No, 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 of course not. Okay. No, what? Uh, I don't give a shit about that. Uh, but uh, I, but then Charlie Morton, their ace pitcher, got knocked oh. out. Um, he broke his leg. 
So I'm like, because the whole reason I was picking the Rays to win is because they have great starting pitching compared to, yeah, compared yeah, to the yeah. Astros at least. But now I'm like, oh boy, I don't know. Um, I'm rooting for the Braves because they haven't won since 99. Exactly. So, or 95. They haven't been there since 99. So I'm like, oh, whatever the Braves. But I don't, I don't really have a dog in the race. The first two games have been awful. I always oh, say that. Nothing, are, are they super long? There's, oh my God. First game was four hours and six minutes. Fuck. There's, there's nothing more boring than a 6-2 or a 7-2 baseball game. It's the worst score. Just because it's far enough out of reach. It's far enough out of reach. And you're also not seeing dominance. You're not seeing dominant hitting. You're not seeing dominant oh, pitching. Yep. And then, right. It's far enough out of reach. The game, and not only that, but it got to 7-2 or 6-2 the worst way. Both teams were about to early reads. So even oh. the early innings weren't close. Like it was like five one in the third, and you're like, oh uh. god, I, it could not be a more boring first two games. They're playing right now. Uh, Matt and I, Matt and I, did this on Friday night. So I'll go home. I watch it. I watch the World Series. You know, I, I, it's baseball. I watch it. But uh, oh man, and the rating, just, ratings have been rough. Like I don't, I don't see how anyone who's not a baseball fan would have any interest in watching. So I couldn't sell this to a non-baseball fan or a casual one. And I like baseball, but I'm not interested in. I couldn't tell you to watch this. Yeah, good I like, I'm not gonna oh, you gotta hours. watch. You know, the first two games, I mean, oh, you got to see, you know, this, this is some sure. fun things going on here. Sure. The first two games have been dreadful. I can't, I want it. All I want to do is sell baseball to people. I, I can't in good faith, like, tell anyone to watch it. Yeah, I'd want to see a dominant pitch, or, like, the fans going crazy, a dominant pitcher, or, you know, some some late-inning fucking theatrics. And nope. doesn't sound like it's happening. I, I, it Just hasn't been any of that. Games. It's been boring. It's been, also, uh, the Braves' best player has been hurt since August, Ronald Acuna. So, mm-hmm. we, you know, he's not playing. And the Astros, you know, they have some great players for they're sure. They're kind of older now. Like, they're, yeah, their core Altuve is older. And, and Bregman. Correa. I mean, they're, they're old. Correa. These guys aren't old. Correa's about to enter free agency. Those guys were so young before. Yeah, they were. But we're kind of used to some of them. And I don't think uh, Bregman's a kind of interesting guy. But, like, it's not like this is, like, I don't know. I mean, I guess the Astros are more exciting than the Braves. The Braves have a guy like Freddie Freeman who's interesting. Yeah. Could make the Hall of Fame. Potentially, career keeps going the way it's going. Oh, shit. But like, but even then, it's like, is that that like a borderline Hall of Fame guy? Is that that is that that ah, exciting? Like, nah, like, can I? Can I nah. So this is different, Ian Anderson though. This is Ian Anderson yeah. fifth hotel, but he's kind of yeah. got that same delivery, which I like. Um, and it's not, it's not like he's sort of he's got a lazier delivery, so it kind of lags. I really like the way the verse sounds with him singing. Oh, and I like the beginning with the. That's so neat. No hardware either. No symbols. No symbols, so it's so sparse. But this feels like Black Keys to me, though. Nah, it's it's. I can understand why. Similar sound. Totally. Black Keys are nowhere near as innovative. That's an that's an innovative riff. Like catches me. The sound of the guitar is so boring. This feels like down, down, down. That feels like the end, but it's not. Oh, it does. Yeah, it's a very similar sounding guitar. It's his nice voices, His voices. And then he does a longer yeah. phrase. Like, he kind of goes through two yeah. phrases there. I, yeah. I think it's it's interesting. I like his delivery. No, I actually think the beginning of the song is is the best part of it. Yeah. And by, the, like, the last, well, like, minute and a half of this song, I'm out. The other thing is we ran into this with uh, with it Root, with Root as well, but I like the way they did this as well. The verse and the chorus are basically the same, but only the bridge is really different. Although the la- And they end in the bridge. The bridge is how they end the fucking song, which is interesting. And it swells weird, and it's got these, like, underneath chords that are happening. I like that they're sparse. They're not, like, playing chunky chords, like, chord, 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 chord. Like, they're not strumming chords. They're just playing a riff, and it's the bass and the guitar kind of doing the same riff and a very sparse drums and just him able to kind of stride his vocals over. I, I like it. In Black, you're right. They're very, you're right. They're black Keezy. But... I hate black. It's different. I think it's they're they're way less innovative when they write. It's 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 like that first song or that uh, um, fake tales of San Francisco song. It's like like uh, no, that seemed much more simple. Ridiculous, simple blues yeah. riff. Not not. I don't think I like riffs. Is oh that, no, do I, I do I? 
Is there any like what's like the example you think of like a great well you would, you don't, song you don't you wouldn't like it so one of my favorite riffs is like uh, is in like Tom Sawyer or something yeah. those are my favorite or uh, a Led Zeppelin is like a very riffy band um, like Black Dog no that it's uh that's a blues that's a yeah. blues rockish area uh, where indie music is no it's more about strummy chords. People say like the Rolling Stones have a booze influence and I can kind of hear it. But like, but their booze influence is so much more exciting, interesting to me than the booze influence you hear on Black Keys or these guys. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, there's no comparison. The Rolling Stones are going to be a much a, better band than, than these guys I just feel like are. the influence they have is like a different influence though. It's not as riff-y. It's more, I don't know. It's this, different blues. Yes, and they yeah, also yeah, have the yeah, skiffle. Yeah. They also have the kind of the British interpretation of it is different. Well, actually, these guys yeah. are British too. Right. These right. guys are British but too. Different but different post-British pop. Too. It's a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. Where this is more southern. This is more New Orleans yes. blues right. influence. Southern like darker, blues. Like darker blues. Darker riffy blues. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I really, like, I can't stand Black Keys. I can't stand Kings Leon. I think they're such a, like, a yeah, poser like band. Either. Um, but these guys aren't bad. I don't, I don't love them. This album, I think is some of the better stuff I've heard is on this album. Uh, this one kind of bothered me though. I wonder if you'll, if you'll hear the reference here. Just like witches and black masses, fucking war pigs. Mm. As the even the, the down out and then the that's fucking war pigs. Um, but whatever. What do you do? Um, let's see. Anything else about this stuff? Oh, the staggered phrase. Talked about the lazy singing. I like the. I I actually like the video too. It's interesting. Oh, you didn't oh, like it. Ah, god damn it. That's why people. You don't have fun. Yeah, you know, it's like no, it's not fun. It's like it's like a stoner thing. It's like oh, you could. I felt like it was just like a uh, some shitty planetarium or something. This is lame. I liked it. I guess that's it. We can move on from them. Probably won't hit them again. This, uh, I hope not. I know. They, I, I, uh, I'm done with them forever in I, my life. I think this is, oh, that's really mad. Yeah. This isn't that bad. Yeah, this album I'm is good. pretty good. Did I'm you good. listen just, to the album too? Yeah. And you just didn't dig it? Some didn't of the like psychedelic ones through, I didn't like. I'm like, because I'm, I'm the same way as you are. I think like, all right, well, a lot of music critics that, that I like, like these guys a lot. And I probably should like them. So every once in a while, I try to give them a listen. And like for this show, I'm like, all right, I'm really going to give them a try. Yeah. And I went and like listened to like, Apple Music has what they call the essentials, yep. is like the best of. So I listened to that. I'm like, oh, it's dreadful. And then I uh, I went listen to the album. I'm like, I was just bored. Oh yeah, like, this sucks. I'm, like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm Arctic Monkey out. I'm All right, done. Okay, no more Arctic Monkeys ever. I don't mean for this show. If it comes to the show, fine. But I don't think we'll ever need I, to I can't because because this is the this only. Is there's only a anyway. couple that hit the Hot 100. Yeah. Uh, this did better better on like the rock charts, of course. Right. But this this only hit I think 70 on the Hot 100. So we probably probably won't. They're more indie darlings than anything. Like I would I would pay seven dollars to never hear. We're gonna do this again. Life. No, it's not that bad. This is not a bad like $7 song. This is an interesting cash. song. Just seven dollars. What were we up to on the other song? It was like hundred. Hundreds. Yeah. So I would pay hundreds. For, yeah. for, for eighteen dollars, I would pay if I never had to hear them again. Like, this one? Eighteen no, no, just no. went up. Arctic monkeys in total. Wow. The entire library. No, I'm fine. Eighteen dollars. I, I can understand why people would $7 like seven dollars. This song would like this. If you like that vibe, it's it's a darker yeah. vibe. If you like his voice, I get it. I get why people would like it. I don't get why people like Kings Leon or fucking Black Keys. They're they're just horrid. Um, they're a lot worse than, than Arctic monkeys, but so I get it. If people like it, that's fine. Um, 
there was that Queens of the Stone Age connection that our buddy Jake really likes too. But and and that's fine. For some reason, they don't do it for me. They seem okay. like intelligent musicians as know. well. I, that guy's on uh, the singer from that band is Hom. I think is his name is. He's singing backups in a few songs oh. here. But it's I'd, fine. I'd give them a second chance too. But I try. And I was thinking too, like driving around, like I wonder if like rock is just dead. Like for now, we, it is. But I wonder if like have we just done it? Is it like just done? No, 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 no. There's still there's still places to go. It's just it's dead for now. I don't know. I'm like, I mean, maybe maybe because this stuff's just so, just so boring and done. I'm like, maybe 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 it should just go away. Maybe we've done it all. With well, rock. what do you want to do if not rock? I don't know. Something a new sound. Well, probably we'll do rock with different instruments. I think at some point, uh, or the guitar will come back and people there'll there'll be other innovators on the instrument. It's just what happens. I mean, we never heard of it. Maybe they'll call it like you know like you know Fraggle or something. Or Fraggle rock. Or maybe yeah. like uh, or like uh, you know. <laughs> oh, Dozer. Like. Like Mugu or like or or, uh, or poop stick or something or, or something some crazy word we don't even know. Yeah, and um, there's plenty of well the subgenres, but there's always so much. No, you like can a do whole with new music. like you know before 1955, rock didn't exist. So That's like, true. Maybe like in 2023, you know, Oosh Oosh will oosh, come oosh. out and be like, oh, Oosh Oosh is awesome. Oosh Oosh sucks, you know. But it's what we're gonna listen to Oosh Oosh. Well, I mean, pretty soon in the early 2000s, what happened was the electronic uh, influence started. Yeah. Kid A, and then after that, so 2001, and after that, then you had Bjork and all these experimental uh, rock musicians or indie musicians using a lot of electronic music. And I liked that. I felt like that was the future of music. You are the future. I don't. I don't tie to electronics. Well, you, but you're saying rock is dead. So if we're yeah. not going to make any more rock, what are we going to do here? Well, <laughs> that's, that's new thing. I don't know what it is, but that's a new thing. Yeah, and it's going to be great. Like, and all oh, of, I'm, I'm excited for it. It'll be some crazy instrument. Like, you don't even really like think, like it exists, we don't really think about it very much. Yeah. Like, you know, the guitar became like the thing. Like, it's like, oh, fucking, the symbol is like, oh, oh, a symbol is everything now, or something like that, or whatever, or something. Pitched symbols is going to be great. That's, that's a new thing. Oh. oh, shit. Can you imagine? You know. I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. No, what's happening is like, uh, is, uh, is music is either, no, it's super, it's super sterile now. That's, that's the sad part. There's yeah. like no one doing any, any experimental whatsoever. I'm just tired of technology too. You're just tired of everything. Yeah. You just go, go to bed. This is why I can curl up and go to bed. Doing this show with you. It's been good, hasn't it? What's this thing? Like, we've been good for weeks now. Isn't that weird? Like, we, uh, we well, like, because we record, right, we're yes. so far behind. We have been like, I'm all over. I know what I'm saying. I know you. Well, you've been, you've been, you, you've done better with you checking your sensitivity to the door. I think in general I've been that way. There've been a few so. hiccup. There've been a few hiccups think, along I, the way. I think the last two weeks you've done a really good job of checking. I appreciate your, that. Uh, your uh, sensitivity to the door. You've been like, all right, I'm gonna come have a yeah, good but, time. You seem like you're, you're seeming more playful, having fun. Happy 200th episode, by the this way. This is 200. Yeah, this is 200. Wow. Number one. But number two, I would like to say the vast majority of our 200 episodes have been playful and it's been fun. I agree, but so the last. Well, we had not, a few. Not the last, let's take the two weeks away. The two months before that, you weren't. Not for though. Not for. No, I think for that's unfair much. to say every single that, episode uh, for eight episodes or for sixteen episodes. I would say like, like ten of them. Say whatever. You were on no. edge. No, or, or you were more on edge. Four. I feel like the last couple weeks you haven't been even like. No, just, I, I sort even of just like your personalities it. in general. You, I reframe. Even it. like off putting off air. Yes. Like even during the week, you seem much less on edge. You seem much more. I think so too. Comfortable and relaxed and having fun and yes. And, and so I think the last two weeks you've done a sea change. Yes, on purpose. Yes, I reframed. Good. It's good. You feel, it is to feel better? Yeah, in general. I mean, it's particularly with our show. Yes. yes, but yes, of course. Um, yeah, the other parts of my life are hectic and there's a lot going on or whatever, but I, I realize, but this is fun. Right. Like this show is fun. Yeah, so it's, right. It's fun, fun, right? It's pop culture. What else? Right. Acts. We don't need fucking. <sighs> that, and actually, this is a little bit of a break because I have to pay to pay attention to uh, politics all the time now, and you know how I feel about that. Yeah, like fucking no, politics, don't, don't, don't like, that. No. fucking you know, dreadful. 
just like I think sucks. death games, yeah, out there. But which is fine. I like doing the show with Jerry. <laughs> he sounds it. No, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that aspect of it. I don't like paying attention to all the negative shit in the world. Yeah, that's the sad part. Because you know, think about you know, you're not the producer, so he has to you know. For every story Jerry reads, or you got to go over, I'm guessing there's four or five. You're like, I ah, know this isn't a good fit. But you still have to read it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, you yeah. still have to sift through all this shit. I know, and it's all it is. It's shit. Ugh. It's all disaster it's everywhere. The world sucks. Everything's terrible. But this is pop culture, baby. Yes. Living, uh, yes. I mean, yeah, like living the. Oh, no, I'm leaving. I'm no, out. You're moving to, to like some random country. I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to go south of the border. Fuck yeah, this. I'm going Everybody's there. coming from. Drive. I don't care. I'll drive. Yeah. We got to get all our shit there anyway. True. Yeah, I, people are coming in. I'm Mexico. I'm going to Mexico. Right. Fuck this. I'm out of here. Not right now. No. We got to give it a little no, bit of time. Do Jerry Callahan show. You can't do the Callahan show. Leave. No, but when when he's ready to go, when he's yeah. ready to retire, you're gonna. You're I'm gonna out. Day two? I'm fucking I out. I don't blame you. Yeah. Fuck this. I, place. I, can't, I can't. Or deep woods. Like if you go to, we go to Northern Maine, right? Yeah. No one's gonna fuck with us there because no one cares. Like no one. No, it was great. I went there for that week with Laura last summer. It was like it was like people were real people again. Like yes. it was like no one was doing any weird political posturing on either side. It was like, I was like, oh, this is wonderful. People yeah. were. There's people. People just being like nice human beings to each other. Right. And with no other malice. No one was like questioning or going through like parsing your sentence to hear what side of the fence you're on. Are you on their team? Their team. It was just like, no, we're just, just saying people. hi. Just like having a conversation. I felt like it was in 1986. It was great. In polite society, people kept their fucking, uh, their politics in check. That's how it used to be. That's how, remember when you grew up, like, no, at the dinner table. At parties, you, you don't, don't talk about politics. Or religion. Exactly. There's the two things you, were, you were told not talking about. And now I feel like, you it's were a party. You have to talk about politics. It's in and your it, face. It's so boring. I can change one's mind. It's so no. boring. No, no. I don't know. I'm fucking. I'm just wondering if there's a warmer place that is the same thing. That's why I think I might have to leave the country. It's because I want to go into some jungle and have no one fucking talk to me. No one. I don't want any of that bullshit. And the people that are there are just chill. Like the Northern Mainers. They're going to hate you. They'll probably hate you so much. They right? will not. Villagers, whatever. No, most people like me. All right. As you know. I, uh, I, I was very excited to see that um, the Oakland A's um, made quite a bit of progress this week to get I the hate stadium. It, but I get, I understand no, why. But I, I want the A's to stay in Oakland. I know. Um, so the Vegas gets an expansion team. So, because that's the plan is they get an expansion team. I am moving to Vegas and I'm going to, like to totally corrobus it up. I'm going to just follow the Las Vegas gamblers wherever they go. I'm just going to do a, your own a mega fan. podcast. I'll the- do, I'm going to be like the biggest gambler fan you ever met. I'm do you think like, people will leave, leave you alone if you, go, uh, if you go out to Vegas? I, I don't know if they'll leave me alone. Maybe they'll follow me in my, my Maybe they will join this. Because maybe I'd go to fucking Vegas. We'll oh, do a baseball gonna, podcast. Uh-huh. Fuck it. Let's just do you this. Around. <laughs> you do want well, you're me going around. to the, the village or something. I might go to the village. Yeah, I'm going to the village. Or maybe it's Northern Maine and Vegas. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, know, so I, I was uh, all case. I was really happy about that uh, that A's news because either that or I'm moving to Nashville or somewhere. So you know, Jerry today said that uh, that he didn't like Ghostbusters. Like, what the fuck what? is your problem? Why? That I got so angry. I didn't. What? I kept it in in, in check a little Why? bit. It's like I was like, that's a, one of the funniest movies ever. Like, what are you talking about? He liked. Uh, he thinks Dumb and Dumber is the funniest movie well, ever. I'm like, you know why? He wasn't in that. I thought he wasn't in that. I know, that. but he knows those guys. Yeah, I and know. Therefore, they... Right. Yeah, but I'm like, no. I was like, the Kingpin is better than Dumb and Dumber. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they're both great movies. I, I mean, I'm not going to... Kingpin's better than that. I'm not going to... I think Kingpin, Dumb and Dumber, and Ghostbusters are three of the best comedies ever. So Dumb I'm and Dumber's pretty like, good, but it's no They're really funny, but like, I, 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 I honestly can't imagine anyone not liking any of those three movies. Dumb and Dumber's good, but I think it's the weakest of the three. Kingpin's great, and Ghostbusters is an all-timer. Yeah, yeah, they're all great. I mean, I don't know why. So why didn't you like? Did you just like the ghost part of it? Is the science fiction part? I don't know why I didn't like it. I was like every line they deliver, every scene, they're funny. Did he explain the why he didn't like it? I, would, I asked him. He wouldn't tell me. He wouldn't tell you. He wouldn't tell me. Refused to tell me. He said he just he didn't laugh. He's like he laughed out loud with Dumb and Dumber. 
He laughed out loud with Dumb and Dumber. He wasn't laughing out loud, but the with <sighs> Ghostbusters. But the entire when we watched it recently, it fucking still yeah, holds up. Great. I was laughing the entire way. It was made me laugh the entire. I love those. Jerry's movie takes are odd. Yeah, Very right. odd. American Sniper, though. That's, that's right up his alley. American Psycho? What? Sniper. Sniper. Yeah. Right, right. He, well, he iced out. Like, yeah, he iced he iced political movies, yeah. I think, more. Or what did we see? What did we just watch with the uh, Bin Laden movie? Um, oh, Zero um, Dark Zero Doctor. Yeah, that's probably a big one for him. Right. I think that's a big one for him. Which I get. The end is good. Uh, let's talk about death. Okay. So, um, unless you want to riff some no? more on, no? uh, on Jerry's stuff. So, um, <laughs> I think I, I know I've talked about this before. Uh, I don't know that I've gone through the the entire story, but I it, I wanted to make a different connection in case that I have. So I didn't experience a lot of death growing up, like at all, which is, I think, kind of strange. Like, it took a long time. The, the person that I was closest to that died didn't die until I was 30, and that was my my grandfather. Wow. It is a long time. It's a long time, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, lucky. Uh, other people had died, but it was, it was tangential. Like, uh, my, my great grandmothers, two great grandmothers lived to close to a hundred mid nineties, yeah. late nineties. And I'd seen them from time to time, but it's not like Meme. I saw, uh, my, my, uh, my grandfather's mother, I saw more frequently than, than my other great grandmother. But, uh, but I, it, you know, it was, I was young enough and it's not like, you know, we'd see her once a year or twice a year or something. So when she passed, it was probably sad, but, uh, and then I was estranged from my the father's side of my family when my aunt Linny died uh, when I was in my early teens, maybe thirteen or fourteen years old. So I, I just went, and she lived in Boston. I I didn't see her very often. She was um, my grandparents were in Iowa at the time, so when I would see them, I would go to Iowa. And you know, Linny was in Boston. It's not like I ever visited her. I wasn't close to her. Just close to her, yeah. Seemed like she would be someone that I liked because she was super into music, art. Um, I think she was a, she was a head librarian somewhere in Boston, uh, cultured, but I think cold. My mom always said that she was kind of distant, even though I felt like I would relate to her the most. Another uh, this uh, woman, Lainey, who's a, um, another aunt who ended up moving away, like young, getting the fuck out of that family. She, my mom thought that I would relate more to her. Who knows? Um, this Aunt Lainey, she, she died when you were in your early teens? Yes, but what happened, and it was very weird. I think I've told you this before, maybe on the show. Odd circumstances. She was found dead in her apartment. Right, yes, yes. And, but it, and we don't, I've, no one's ever told me why right. how, and how this happened, but it was odd and mysterious. My grandfather was in, in Iowa and he like fucking drove all night to go back to Boston to right, try to right. figure this out. I was never told what happened. Um, and I still don't know. And, and uh, both now my grandparents are dead on that side. So, they're not around to tell me. Uh, maybe my father knows and maybe tell me sometime if I ever see him again. But I don't know mm. and much about that. But I did go to the funeral. I hadn't seen my dad in a long time, though. It, probably, it, it had been either a lot of months or maybe a year or something since I'd seen him. Very odd mm. thing. Um, but we weren't close. And it still it sucked. And I saw she was, uh, it was an open casket. So I saw it was probably the first, maybe I saw my, it was the first time that I can recall seeing a dead body. Right. But I'd never... You know what I mean? It wasn't. It wasn't. Right, it wasn't really like the emotional wall of a close death. Yeah. And then when my grandfather died, when I was thirty, I was in California, so I I wasn't around him. He'd been sick for a long time, and I we thought a couple times that we were going to lose him. He'd had cancer when he was in his mid sixties, and they did radiation, and eventually that affected organs around it. Affected his he had prostate cancer, and he was in remission, but. When you do that radiation, you affect the organs around it, sure. affected his bladder, and that's what ultimately killed him. Is is um, his bladder stopped working uh, correctly, and he was getting toxic and all sorts of stuff. And he was in and out of the hospital for a while, a long time. 
for the last uh, 10 years of his life. It was, it was tough. He had a, he had a good run, maybe three or four years after that, but then he started going downhill and he was in a kind of a critical state for a while. And I'd already, I'd left. So, um, I wasn't around him when he died, but then, so the first real time that I was, and I know this shouldn't like really, I, I, I human death is worse, but the f- worst, but the first time I'd ever really experienced like ho- being with someone as they died was, was little guy was my cat. Oh yeah. And, and that, but that was the first, like the light to see yeah. the light go out. That was the first, and he died. It was this week. We put him down this week in, in 2014. Oh, it was the worst. And I've talked yeah. about little guy before. He was such a good man. Yeah. It was. And he, it was, we were like, he, he had a brain tumor and we, you know, he, and, um, they had a brain tumor and a bladder infection. And, and as soon as we started immediately, we, we treated him for the bladder infection. We weren't going to treat him for the, for the brain tumor because there was no chances are it's going to die anyway. And so we weren't going to subject him to that, but, uh, but we started treating him for his bladder infection and, um, and that like, and he went down as soon as we started giving him that drug, he like went down like immediately. And I, I, we probably shouldn't have even done that for him, but he stopped eating. And, uh, we tried to, we tried to like, you know, keep him around for a while, but he just eventually didn't want anything from us. And, uh, so we decided it was like a, I think, it was, I don't know, maybe it was a Saturday morning. We're like, we can't, we can't even survive till Monday where he's not, he, he doesn't want anything to do with anybody. He's not eating. So we brought him and I held him and, uh, they injected him and just, yeah, like the pupils dilated yeah. light went out. It was like just, uh, crazy. And it, and it was the first time that I'd ever seen that in real life. And, Super traumatizing. Have you seen it since? Have you seen a human die? No. Oh, never been with a human as they die. I know. I know there's going to be. I really, it's, um, I don't know if I wish that I would have. No, no, I guess, but then, but also it's almost like at least you, I don't know. At least I would have known how to deal with it. I, I, you pick it up as you go along. I don't know. But, uh, you know, we figure out when you get there, but yeah, no, it's, it's good to not. Yeah, you want to put like my stepdad died, as you know, we talked about right. this before, but we hadn't been, I hadn't seen him in forever. And I wasn't right. of course not around him, but he would have been the person probably closest to, I guess, to me that right, was you're, the right your age. Gram, your grandma's still alive. You yeah. said she, she's kind of a little spitfire, right? So, yeah. She's 90 or 91 and she's a, yeah, yeah. she's just going strong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, I, I, you know, you have stretches in your life. I'm sure most people listening, you have stretches in your life where you, I feel, I feel at least for me, at least I feel like, you know, someone. You have good stretches where no one goes, and sometimes you go like run to a little bit of a uh, kind of a unfortunate kind of. I've been weirdly, weirdly lucky, and like no yeah. friend. I mean, you'd think sometimes it's tragic, but it was a high school. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Luck of the draw. I think I kid from high school or college or something. And um, yes, there have been people who have died from my high school, but no one right, that I was no ever one, close right, to, right. or even college. No one that I've ever been close to who's had can Like you'd think by the time I now know. we're in our mid forties, like unlucky shit happens even with people as young as we are, like we're still in that range where stuff can happen. And no, we've been really, I've been really lucky. Really lucky. No, I, I, I have two, honestly, believe it or not. My, my grandparents are all gone now. That, that's sad, but you know, I'm 41. So I'm not, you know, it's expected. Um, my, my dad died young, but other than that, I had a very similar situation to you. And before my dad died, the only person that I knew that died was my great grandmother. Who's was 105. Right. right yes. you know, and it's like, all right. You know, it was very sad when she died. It was sad, but it was yeah, also but like. 105. I mean, good you know, one. What, you know, what, yeah. what are we doing here? Right. Um, and I'm very lucky, like, like Matt, where none of my none of my friends have died. Um, I have some kids I went to high school with that have died, but they were more acquaintances. And, you know, and, and oftentimes, not that I'm trying to, but like, you could kind of see with their lives when you took a bad path. Yeah. Um, 
and or, you know, he's like, oh, you know, one one kid that died was was a it was an accident. He was a, died snowboarding. A kid, you're you're younger than me. We were Ugh. we were acquaintances, I guess. But um, but other other kids who had died it was all kind of self destructive behavior, sure, drugs, addictions, yeah. or yeah. Uh, or suicide. Or yeah. Um. But yeah, I I wonder that too. You know, uh, you know, my dad, my dad going. It's like, all right, um, you know, that that's obviously very traumatic and, and stays with you forever. Other than that, though, I have—I don't know what it's like to lose a friend. I don't know what it's like to lose a mom. I don't know what it's like to lose a sibling. Yeah. There's a lot of things, I, and I hope I never find out. You know, I, I don't know what it's like to lose a, a spouse. Uh, you know, I, I, my I, worst I, nightmare. My uh, fucking worst. Yeah, nightmare. I'm, a, I'm I'm older. I'm older than Noir. so I'm hoping that I always. I think I joke about. It, I'm like, oh, I'll be I'll be long gone by the time uh, by the time she goes. So, and my my sister's joining me too. So hopefully, I'll, same thing. Uh, they can put me in the ground. I'm also with dealing with that. But, um, but right, no, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, and every death I think affects you a little differently. You know, animals do, pets, you know, pets diets can be, can be crippling. It can be really, really, really hard. Um, it doesn't, you, whatever you love, you lose yeah, whatever you love. It really, doesn't it matter. Sucks. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, you know, and right. That part of your life is gone. It's gone forever. Uh, that is, that is really hard, but no, I haven't had a lot of death in my life. Uh, you know, besides the grandparents, the, the thing that affected me recently with the death is my grandmother died, uh, 20, 17, 2018, 2018. And, um, she was like the last one of that generation of yeah. that, uh, my family to go. And that was pretty wild. It's like, wow, this whole group of people are all gone. Like they're all ghosts now. And it's like, that to me is like, it really just kind of set me back. Cause I was thinking, it's like everything, nothing we do matters. Like really, like eventually we're all just ghosts. Right. Like it, you know, and then, you know, I was thinking about it. Like, so I, my mom obviously loved my Nana and, and I love my Nana, but then like, my sister has some kids that kind of remember her. I think, and and they'll they'll have like warm memories of her and and some connections. I think my my oldest, just didn't have the lifespan. My oldest niece was like six or seven. Yeah, but her kids are not going to have any. They'll, they'll hear nice stories, but like two generations from that, they're going to be like pictures you laugh at in a in a photo album. Like look at how they're dressed. These people are. This is what they wore. Like you become like a joke, and like we, and it happens to all of us. We all become a weird picture someone looks at, you know, three generations from now, and it's just like. It actually helped me a little bit. I was like, all right, I'm not gonna get so caught up in some of the the little shit. Like, you know, if someone's like chirping at me on Twitter about being because on it KMS doesn't matter. I mean, or right or any of this shit. It's like, all right, why am I getting so upset about that? Like, it doesn't. Like, at the end of the day, we're just we're something somebody laughs at a hundred years from now. So, like, what does it matter? It doesn't. So, um, I guess it's kind of like helped me kind of get my head wrapped around certain things. But then other things that it's just like enormously sad. Like, oh, I wish I could talk to my nan i'm sure you wish you could pet your cat i'm sure you wish you could talk to your grandfather my grandfather your grandfather's yeah. not like a cool guy yeah i was yes i wish you were around longer when i was an adult uh yeah but you still got 30 years of them which i think grandparent anything over 21 is bonus my mom was so young though and like i know you know that that's, know. so you kind of get more time. They, i think my grandmother was something like 49 when my mom when my mom had you know so she, or right so that's pretty pretty yeah. good uh and right. it's good that my grandmother's still around like i you know yeah that's good I mean, you're 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 in real bonus time now over 40 i mean that's that's yeah. crazy yeah. um to be able to spend that time with your with your grandmother is really special and yeah neat. um but no it's yeah death is uh yeah death is tough obviously i guess it's understated i've been thinking about death a lot actually uh because i'm my birthday is uh november 23rd yep i'll be 42 which is the exact age my dad was when he died that's right. in fact this summer Next summer, I'll be older than him than he ever, than he ever was. So I just, you know, turning 42 next month, or I guess when you hear, yeah, when you hear this next month, uh, 23 days. It's like, oh, it's going to be a weird age to be. Yeah, I can see that. It's like, oh, because my, my, my entire time, my dad was 42, he was 
on death's door, basically. Like, you know, from March, he's born in March, to he died in December. But he was running out of the clock at that point. Like, he was bedridden for a good chunk of being 42, uh, in his, you know, his 42. And it was just a, a horrible, horrible year. That 94 year was, was, was a disaster. So crazy to think. I mean, I know, you know, whatever. I'm not in the right. best shape of my life, but I'm in good shape. Like, I go running. Like, I can, it's crazy can to think Can you imagine that, being bedridden? No. And not at, at this age? No. That's what I mean. And like, yeah, and you know you're going to die too. And even though, you know, my grandmother says this, to me now, she's fucking 90 something years old. She looks in the mirror. She's like, I still see the little girl that I was. I still feel like that about myself. I feel like that about myself too. I feel like I know the same person. I know I'm not, but I feel like but the same person like, I was. But you think you are. Like, yes. I, I've had, a, I've had a lot of older people. Like my grandma said the same thing to me too. She's like, I can't, can't believe I'm this age. It's odd. It's like shocking. To yeah. me. My mom gets older. She's the same kind of thing. It's, I think it's like, and I can, I believe it. Cause I know like in my mind, I feel like I'm 20. Too. Like, I feel like I can run around and do everything. And I kind of can. I'm lucky. I'm, I'm, I kind of can do everything I do. I was 22. Yeah. I get tired quicker now. Maybe I can't jump as high and stuff, but I feel like I can. But I can understand how, like, if I was like 65 and, like, you know, you get more limited physically or 85 or your Nana, you know, you're 90 something, must be a fucking trip. Must be such a mind fuck to be like, oh, I, right. I'm, I'm an elderly person now. Yeah. And you're not, and as a 42 so year old, a 42 year old man, you're not an elderly no. person. You're like, no. gee, and you, but you're, your body is acting like it. Well, he, wasn't, he wasn't up. particularly happy with, with how things turned out. No, but Very you angry. No, some people you think find peace, but I my, would be, my dad went down swinging, so he wasn't he wasn't the happiest guy in the right. And he was a lot very angry about. it. I'm afraid that that's the way I'll go too. Is fucking swinging and angry. I, I hope not. I hope not. I hope. Well, I hope I go when I'm older. You know, obviously, and and I think also just yeah. I I, I hope so. I wonder though. I don't know. Maybe I would be pissed. I'm maybe I, I'm sure I would be pissed off. I'm sure I would be. Of course. Hopefully, if we you know if we live a long time, it's not like that. It's like okay, well, we're thankful we had all these experiences, right. and you know, you kind of you come more peace with it, right? Than, than, yeah, than, done. Than, done what I need to do. Than angry about it. Forty two yeah. is fucked up. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, I have boyhood. Some- some book recommendations. Oh, that's right. You said that before the show. That, yeah, uh, I want to give some book recommendations. So there's, I'm in like book mode right now. Hardcore. It's because so, TV sucks. TV sucks. Like That main show on Netflix is good. I'm two episodes in. Let's check it out. Um, so The Baseball 100 by Joe Posnanski. This is a great poop book. Can't recommend this enough if you're, if you're a pooper. Huh. If you're pooping, great book. So I mean, everybody's a pooper. Everyone's a pooper. Everyone's pooping. Um, this is a perfect toilet book. So uh, it's little essays. I'd say about anywhere between two and five pages of uh, the top 100 players in baseball. Uh, Poznanski, I'm not a big fan of the guy. He was the guy that was with Paterno when all the Sandusky stuff came out. He's writing oh. a Father's Day book. And instead of like changing it up and writing like, a, oh, I'm here for this major news story happening right in front of me and I have complete access. He just wrote his Father's Day book. So, right. I mean, and the he, publisher probably gave him money to do it though, right? I guess the publisher would have given him money to yeah, write you're this. Yeah, right. you're right. I mean, I didn't pick up the Posdansky Father's Day, but I certainly would have picked up the Posdansky, like, oh, listen That's to true. this fucking shit. It's true. Uh, yeah, and also you consider it like the crimes at, at Penn State. You know, I think even a, any good human would have thrown, you know, changed up a little bit there. I can see that. Um, having said that, he loves sports. He's a, if you're a baseball fan, it's a must. If you're not a baseball fan, avoid it, but it's a good one. Um, Kirk recommended this book today. Grabbed it. Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli by Mark Seal. It's a book about the making of The Godfather. I just started reading it. It is fantastic. Mm. It is awesome. Can't recommend enough. Um, uh, I'm a, a really into it. It disintegrates, but I can't imagine. Kirk's further along than I am. He says it's great. Uh, if you're, I think The Godfather is the greatest film of all time. So I am all in. This book's great. Remember, second is that Sopranos oral history. Yeah. Which, if you heard me on KMS, I was a little bit, eh, yeah. about it. I did some more research about it. I, they actually interviewed a ton of people. It I mean, doesn't seem like it's just a podcast rehedging. 
Um, do you think you're negative because of the many saints debacle? No, uh, no. I'm just like, do I, I guess it's pretty shitty, but do I trust? I think Imperial is a really bright guy. He's a writer on the show and everything, but like, do I trust like Steve Sharippa to write like the oral history of the Sopranos? I guess I was kind of being shitty about it, like in yeah. my mind with that, but I looked into it a little bit more. Uh, and I actually think it's, I'm going to grab it. So okay. it comes out November 2nd. So I, I, I'll finish it off by the book first, I guess. And I'll run out, I guess. And then November 18th, I think it's the 18th uh, or 16th, uh, Tinderbox, which is a James Andrew Miller book about HBO or history about HBO. Oh, right. Same guy did a live from New York, by the SNL book, which is I've fantastic. Got that, yeah. He did the ESPN book too, which is okay. Um, but HBO, I'm on, I read an excerpt, uh, of the, uh, Tinderbox. They, he had an excerpt about James Gandolfini, really good stuff. Some, mm. um, behind the scenes stuff about how kind of dealing with him and his, um, by all accounts, Gandolfini, a great guy, but then talking about some of the demons that, and some of the, like, I guess he was complete, pulled a complete no-show at the Golden Globes in 2005. Oh. They found him outside making snow angels. This event happened in LA. There was no snow. Oh. And um, they called Imperioli. He was in the crowd. And like, hey, can you come? Because Imperioli was supposed to, uh, was to present best um, drama. And he was in no shape to do anything. Yeah. And Imperioli was like, no, thanks. I don't want to do it. I'm like, can't scan. I don't, I'm, people expect Gandolfini. This is a no one. And they asked him again, like, please. Like, I guess I'll... Like, I'll do it for Jim. And he went and did it. And, um, but, uh, he was not happy to, sure have to do that. That's a, t- that's a really tough spot for him. So again, if he had hard drug, drug issues, that was major the issues. Oh, I knew yeah. about that. I know like if you, uh, watch the, the white cap season, season four, um, the Furio scene, when they kind of, when he pushes him, when Furio and, uh, Tony are right near the, uh, the propeller, when Furio is going to like push yep. him to the propeller. Yep. He, uh, Gandolfini didn't show up to the set. They had the airport rented out. All this stuff ready to go. Imperial pulled a no show. They found him in like some uh, like a Gandolfini pulled uh, a no show. Again, I'm sorry, Gandolfini yeah. pulled a no show. Yeah. They found him in like some um like nail salon or something. Like the next day, like, like two days later, he was gone. Like, no, no one knew where he was. People there already might be dead. Ah. Uh. And uh, he came back. He's super apologetic. He bought everyone like Rolexes. Like he just felt awful about it. So it wasn't the pesticides that killed him. <laughs> uh, I don't. So well, that's, that's a few years later, flash forward. Um, there have been rumors. I, I mean, this is really rumor central. I am really fascinated with how he died. Um, obviously a giant, a big guy like that. He was drinking a ton that night. Um, but I think he always kind of drank a lot. Like he lived his life to a lot of excesses. He ate a ton. It was incredibly hot. Um, he's in Italy in the summer. People said he was like sweating a ton and, um, was eating a ton. Now, if you told me he went back to his room and did a couple lines and then would that surprise me? No, no. but there hasn't been any proof of that. Where with your boy, Beccaro there, he did a autopsy and he found that he died because of drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I was just protecting Gandolfini though. Right. Big Coke. We wonder if people in Italy might've been right. The Could autopsy, been. you know, are we going to get the full report on that? I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, Either I, way, he's I, unhealthy. He got bigger as the show went got on. Got bigger. And, and yeah. then, right. And yeah. then, um, and he, I mean, he, you know, the, the, the little essay he talks about, I've read before, he's a guy that I think struggled with fame, um, struggled with some of those demons that he already had. He got busted for a DB two years for Sopranos. Uh, so there's already stuff going on there. And uh, yeah. that's the actually, Andrew Miller wrote it quite brilliantly. It was, I think it was him who wrote it. I don't think it was one of the oral history people, but. It's like fame very rarely makes problems go away. Oh, of course. It shines a light in them. Like of it, course. You know, like whatever you're, you know, and then I think it just, because now no one's going to tell him no. And he can just run. And then HBO, was, so this is what the essay was hinting at as well. Not hinting, but saying. HBO's attitude 
was don't punish. Like, don't punish Jim. Because he threatened to leave the show a bunch of times. They, he, they had some really hard, fast contract negotiations. Gandafini was telling friends, like, I don't like what this character is doing to me, like, psychologically. Oh, I get like, that. Like, being this person is awful. I'm going to go home and shower. Like, this guy's awful. Yes, of course. Um, and, but HBO was like, I don't, we don't want to. They basically were like the, the Ethan Hawke's character in Boyhood. Hey, man, like, yeah. just do what you need to do. Like, we're not going to get mad at you. Whatever you do, it's okay. And no one was the mom. Yeah. And everyone was just like the, do, do what you want, buddy. And the cast loved him because he took great care of them. He fought for their raises. Uh, I remember between one of the seasons, they're like, it, they all went on strike together, basically. Like, we're not, not strike. That's too harsh, but. They all like, no, but they entered into the contracts together. Right. They were like, and we're like, gonna, they were all right. looking after each other. Right. And like, and, and Gandolfini could have been like, oh no, like we're signing here. And they all would have fallen in line, fell, fell in line. He, he, and he looked out for the, them. And like, a lot of times he wouldn't do uh, interviews unless someone else would be like Imperial or Drady Mateo or someone was in the interview with him. So that person was on the cover too of, of yeah. the magazine or whatever. He was looking like he couldn't have been a, like a Aww. kinder teammate. Um, so people look the other way with a lot of this stuff that's going on. And I guess one time they had an intervention for him and he, uh, he walked, he, they, they even did a dress rehearsal of all the things that could happen. Yep. They had all planned out. Gandolfini walks in, says, fuck this and fuck all of you leaves. And they couldn't, it took like, he was gone for there for like seven seconds. They did all this prep work <laughs> and like his sister or a close family member chased him down the hall, tried to get him to come back. He wouldn't do it. So like there was a lot of stuff going on with him, um, and uh, so I mean, that, and that was just like one small essay to have all of this like the stuff. And I'm always been fascinated with HBO's kind of rise, yeah. even in the early days with stuff like First and Ten or not necessarily the news stuff in the '80s that yeah. Matt and I probably remember. Yeah, yeah. And even just like you know, Matt and I watched the same movies over again because they had a limited budget; they could only get so many movies. Um, uh, so and then obviously now the, all the original programming they end up having. So there's like I think it's just the HBO story is really interesting. It, it also mirrors our lot, our, our lifespan. It too. does, and it, it, early, they were really early on with comedy too. They did a lot of like interesting um, adult show, com- right? Adult I mean, com- some comedy. really interesting. You know, I know you watched it. You watched Dream On I as did. a kid. Mr. Show is it might be like one of the best sketch shows ever. Yeah, um, certainly one of the most like you know you got Cross and Odenkirk, Odenkirk and like yeah. some really interesting weird stuff out of that. Really weird. And then like Sex in the City, I like, guess not a show for me. I used to call it Sex and the Stupidity, but like, but it's still a transformative show it, it changed the landscape without sex in the city surprise doesn't exist and they get right that makes sense and they, they keep, would they wouldn't have done it they wouldn't agree with it the, everything they did a lot of transformative stuff because right yeah. sopranos is as you it's your favorite piece of art ever yes. i mean changed the way that that uh that tv was done or series yeah was done. so yeah hbo's done a lot of really cool stuff and andrew miller is great that snl book life in new york is fantastic you haven't read that read that now it's that, that is a no-brainer it's awesome and then the um the other books that come, so there's a, I think what happens is everyone's trying to get these books out for Christmas, you know? Oh, that makes sense. So um, you're seeing a real flurry, but it's kind of, if you're a book nerd like me, it's kind of exciting. Like, oh, it's, it's all, it, the only, like, it's negative, if you will. It's, it's all um, nonfiction. So I'm going to be looking at some good fiction stuff to start the new year, but this should at least cover me until the end of the year. Some good stuff. Cool. Well, yeah. I think we've done what we need to do today. So we're back on Saturday with Ray with and Ray. Then The Grudge on Sunday, and then we'll have our, uh, our last week announcement before the live show. Uh, after that. Go get tickets. Yes, buy tickets. See ya.